Hello and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers, the Story Screen Presents podcast where you listen to a couple people uh, drink some drinks and get drunk and talk about a movie or movies. Today, as always, I am Mike Burge, your host. I'm the only one that hosts this podcast. It me. I'm the one. This mm. is the voice. Mm. And today mm. I am joined by... Robert Anderson. Robert Anderson. Hello. Of Story Screen and Bank Square fame. Unfortunately, Bank Square fame and hopefully more so Story Screen fame. Well, we'll you know, we'll try, try harder and we'll see where it goes. I don't. Um, and uh, before we, we got a very exciting episode. So we're just going to get all the rules and everything right out up front so we can start talking to stuff. Uh, this is a this is the third entry into a Marvel miniseries over drinkers that we're doing where we're covering a bunch of the Marvel movies leading up to Avengers Infinity War, which is coming out April 27th. Um, it's going to be a lot of fucking fun, hopefully. Uh, and, uh, we've already done uh, Marvel phase one and the Avengers, uh, with, Di- with me, myself and Diana, uh, myself and, uh, Jack Kalajewski went over the 2008, uh, the incredible Hulk, the best Marvel movie It's a very much a thing. That's a movie. <laughs> and, uh, the previous one was uh, Marvel phase two and, um, Avengers age of Ultron with myself and Diana again. So now Robert Anderson has come on to the overdrinkers, mm. Mike. And we are going to discuss both Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yes. And it's going to be fun. I think so. And as always on Overdrinkers, we are uh, partaking of a beverage that is themed to the movie. And today we are drinking delicious Cosmos. Couldn't see that one coming. Cosmos, uh, that which one is uh, vodka, lime juice, cranberry juice, and some triple sec. And we've also thrown in some orange and cherry in there for some little garnish. That's very so, good. Cheers to you. And some uh, housemade grenadine. Correct? Oh, yeah. I put some yes. of the grenadine in there because it's very delicious. Mm-hmm. It's almost as good as the wow. first two that I had. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to <laughs> drink a lot of them. I see. Um, so... On the previous episode, Diana and myself discussed Guardians of the Galaxy very briefly because we knew we were going to be doing this episode. Diana pretty much did most of the talking, and I pretty much just talked about how I think it's pretty much my favorite one of the Marvel movies. But I think that that's unfair because it's so disconnected. The first one. Uh, you know, there it really is. Why do you think that's unfair to say, though? It's a Marvel movie. It's a Marvel movie, absolutely. Yeah. But it's when you're, like, judging, like... It's it's got so much working for it because it's like a movie that's a lot like the first Iron Man where like mm. there's not a whole there there isn't this grand universe directly connected to this like no. now in hindsight we know that that's coming in Iron Man and in this one if we're aware of the movies surrounding this we understand that Thanos was revealed at the end of the Avengers we get that Infinity Stones are kind of coming around sure I mean Guardians of the Galaxy one deals a lot with kind of the the Thanos angle a little bit more than some of the other movies you see. You get a little bit more Thanos screen time, especially because you're dealing with the daughters of Thanos. And in Guardians, uh, the first one, in Guardians of the Galaxy, they do a lot of explaining of just, like, what the Infinity Stones are. Yeah, you get a little exposition, a little exposition dump in there. there. Which, is which you know, before I only knew they were just, like, super powerful pretty rocks mm-hmm. that I had no idea what they did. Rainbow rocks. Rainbow yeah. rocks. And then while I was actually watching it again, I was just like, oh, they're from, like, it's like in, a, in Mass Effect. That there is a world that was reset, and then you're dealing with the enemies from the old world, and these stones are from kind of like the previous era of life. Is that a video game? 
Mass Effect? Uh, I believe so. Lifestyle choice or video game. Huh. Hmm. You ever play them? Yeah, I love Mass Effect. That's very good. They're the great games. Yeah. I love, kinda, I love kinda, the ending. I love the ending. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. I love the ending. <laughs> Which one are you? Red, green, or blue? It doesn't matter at the end. That's the whole point, baby. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. You're indoctrinated just like the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of right to say, though, about the stones, right? They're kind of absolutely yeah. relics from a previous just life in general. You know? Yeah, it's like the uh, the, the idea in the MCU, said. yeah, is that it's like uh, there was something that existed before mm-hmm. the galaxies and the universe as it is, and reality as it is right now, and when that ended, all of these like very simple forms of existence all like kind of morphed into yeah. these six different um, crystallized versions of what their purest form was, and so you have mm-hmm. like power, reality, time. So on and so forth. That's why I think that to say that Guardians Volume 1 is your favorite, or even just Guardians in general, it's like, I think that's totally serviceable. Yes. I think some of my favorite MCU movies are also, like, ones that maybe deal with the Avengers machine, but often kind of strays away to make its own story happen. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like we discussed when Black Panther came out a couple months ago, we were like, definitely on your top five, right? And I was like, it might be on my top five, but I feel like my top five is never really going to move. Yeah. Because I've got, I, I count Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 as one movie because I really consider them kind of like one experience. They're two different, completely, two completely different movies. And you can watch one without watching the other, but like it makes it better for having had seen it. Yeah. I all mean, that. Maybe because I just watched one and two like this week as mm-hmm. like a refresher. I do. Like, when we talk about, like, Kill Bill 1 and 2, those are movies that, like, it feels like this is one Kill Bill story. Mm -hmm. With Guardians, I feel like 2 is just, like, is really taking the formula from 1 and, like, injecting just more into it. And, like, really blowing up some of those, like, cartoony elements and some of, like, just, like, from the color palette to story beats, they're just kind of really exploring and blowing up a lot of the things that made the first movie great. Money. Money. More money. More money. went into it. Mm-hmm. But I I think that, yeah, of course they, they, they feel as a continuum of each other, but I do think they feel very distinct. Very much. Own. But yeah. I, and, and this, this is, again, it's like, I say that Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite movie mm-hmm. in the Marvel universe this is volume one correct volume one okay and i love volume two equally okay and it's very hard for me to like put those two like all right so which one's number one which one's number two i'm just gonna have to do number one number two just because that's the order that they're in right and uh it's the avengers would be the close number two to that and the Avengers is more of a Marvel movie in that sense where it's like they have to take this gigantic universe and hold it together for two and a half hours yeah. and have it make sense. And Avengers pulls that off very fucking well. The pool is a little bit smaller at that point yes. in the game. Um, but Which is crazy because at the time we were like, how could they possibly do I know, it is like kind of weird, right? And now it's just like, that's that's easy. You just make yeah. Loki do some weird shit. And this is what's, it's funny too because Avengers Age of Ultron, we talked about before, is like pretty much they just did the same thing again. Mm-hmm. Like Infinity War is bringing like Guardians of the Galaxy and Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and Black Panther, all of these people that have been from all these different movies. Yeah. Avengers just brought characters from the previous uh, five movies together. Yeah. And Age of Ultron just brought those characters back and they created a new character, Vision, mm-hmm. 
and introduced for the first time, not counting like, you know, a five second like after credit scene, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. They're not really in the movie, right? I actually, they're not in the movie. Age of Ultron, I haven't fucking seen. Age of, no, they're in the movie, they're but movie. they're at the end of Winter Soldier. You get a quick little snippet of them. Oh, I see. Yeah, you yeah. need to see Age of Ultron, too. It's an I'll, absolute I'll travesty. Um, and the only people that they really kind of bring over from, you know, phase two introductions is uh, Anthony Mackie mm-hmm. um, as Falcon and Don Cheadle as War Machine. Those are really the only ones that they bring in. And they're really not in there all that much. No, they're in uh, Civil War way more, I imagine. They're yeah. pretty big parts of Civil War. Yeah, like Civil War is yeah. very much like the, in the same way that Winter Soldier is kind of like this odd, like, almost Avengers movie because it's got Nick Fury, Captain America, Black Widow. You've got half the Avengers right there. Civil War is just like, well, now here's all the Avengers, only they're fighting each other. Yeah. Civil War is really good, man. Civil War... That's a tight little movie. Civil War was the Marvel movie that got me back into Marvel movies. Good. Because there was a time where I was not really digging on Marvel movies. I kind of... It was a little bit of them, I think. I Mm -hmm. think Phase 2 has has some like rocky moments in it. Um, And like the end of Phase 1. But Civil War was the movie that like really was like no they, there's there's a place for these films and you gotta just get over yourself and enjoy a good fucking ride and mm-hmm. I did I think with Infinity War with Infinity War what's really cool is we what we like I think the difference from like Phase One and Two and like what we're doing now with like having Guardians of the Galaxy and Doctor Strange and then even some of our Defenders which is like on Netflix and stuff like that which I don't think they're gonna be in Infinity War but. My point being is there's many things about the Marvel Universe to defend. There's the inner cities, there's the planet Earth, there's the galaxy, and then there's the interdimensions between it. And we have different heroes who are kind of the protectors of these different realms. Mm -hmm. Wait wait till you find out about underwater. Ooh. Wait, is there underwater? Oh, yeah. There's a heavy underwater. Fucking talking about it. It's great. But I think the thing about Infinity War, which is very interesting, is is that it's it's an attack on all planes of defense. It's mm-hmm. something that really... Because in, in Avengers, the first one, it's it's really Earth and this one city is being directly attacked. Mm-hmm. Age of Ultron, I imagine the stakes are a little bit bigger. Yeah, I okay. mean it's it's worldwide at that point, but mm-hmm. you know, and so is like the city's being attacked, but it's like an alien invasion. Right. It's like global domination, and then Age of Ultron is global destruction. Okay, this seems to be like the paradigms of reality are getting attacked. Yeah. You know, like the Avengers is about the first Avengers, and we'll get back to Guardians of the Galaxy, listener. We promise. No, no but the first Avengers <laughs> is about can these people operate as a team. Mm-hmm. The second Avengers Age of Ultron is more even more interesting question. It's are these people worthy of being called heroes? Do they believe that they are and does the world? And then Civil War I think kind of even and more Age of Ultron sets up Civil War by yeah. like many of the events that take place in Age of Ultron both character based and world based mm-hmm. lead to in Civil War the world going Yeah. Hey. Hold on a second here. <laughs> you guys are like completely unchecked. And, like, they bring that up in Age of Ultron. And then in Civil War, it's kind of, like, driven home with one of the weirdest... It is so... It is so weird that William Hurt is in Civil War from The Incredible Hulk. That is weird. It is General (laughs) Ross. He's the only thing that has come from The Incredible Hulk. And, like, Diana brought up a really interesting thing with Age of Ultron where Bruce Banner and... um, Natasha Romanoff have a 
a love story going on. Yeah. And it's I Betty Ross is like completely forgotten, and that's <clears throat> Hulk's love interest in Incredible Hulk from Incredible well, Hulk. You, like that's why like I think when it's just gone, like they just got we, rid of it. When we either either when I like popped in spoiler alert, I pop in on Incredible Hulk towards the end, mm-hmm. or um, when we're maybe just when we have conversations on the side, I ask like you and Jack, and I'm like, so is the Bruce Banner in the MCU the same quote unquote Bruce Banner from Incredible Hulk? And you guys are like yeah yeah, it's just weird because. Uh, other than him becoming the Hulk, they kind of have really washed away any thematic <laughs> elements. Or yeah, I mean, there. and again, like, there's not too much. To listen to our Incredible Hulk episode, listener, for that. Um, but yeah, there are definitely things that happen in the Incredible Hulk that lead to Mark Ruffalo's character being yeah. who he is at the start of the Avengers. Like, mm-hmm. there are the events of that movie where we leave him at the end of the Incredible Hulk, Bruce Banner is more or less where we pick up with him then so with all of you know with all these different places threatened and with infinity war coming and the galaxy is threatened i think guardians of the galaxy oh i've seen that movie you may have seen it Mm -hmm. this is the first movie maybe thor does it a little bit but guardians of the galaxy really kind of blows up the book a little bit guardians of the galaxy really kind of shows you so, if we're in the MCU, what does space really look like? Not Asgard. Space. Mm-hmm. The galaxy. How does it operate? What does it mean? What does it mean to go into space in the MCU? And Guardians of the Galaxy gives you this very, like, it's kind of like the 80s. And it's super colorful and it's really fun. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Star Wars movies you always wanted until we got the Star Wars movies we always wanted later. You want to fuck everybody. Just want to bang. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're watching the movie. They're all be- they're everybody, beautiful. They're beautiful. Michael Rooker. Oh, my God. So, when you see him shirtless in, in Volume 2, it's just Oof. like, give me some of that. Thank you, James give Gunn. Give me some I of that. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. we all been asking for it. So, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. number one, mm. is about a young man named Peter Quill loses his mom in 1988, I believe, on planet Earth, and he is abducted by aliens, grows up. With these, uh, with these, this, pirates, these called. pirates called the Ravagers, mm-hmm. led by uh, Yandu, played by Michael Rooker, who is blue and has a mohawk. And it's probably just one of the best. He's so, I mean, in volume two, he really gets his time to shine. But Absolutely. He's just, he's, just he's in the first one, he's very much just like, they're peppering him in. Yeah. Night, like, every time he shows up, you're like, fuck yeah, he gets a really good badass moment with the arrow at right. the end. You see him really shine at the end, but two is when you get, like, some of that real good, Yeah. Oh, and that's, like, that good stuff. one of the best things about Guardians of the Galaxy movies is the amount of, like, heart and everything that's in them. For We've sure. discussed this before, and it's like, you can make these jokes really sing, and you can make these emotional beats really land because you genuinely care about the characters because you just like them well i think because the movie is rooted in comedy and i think that a lot of what marvel like kind of phase two and phase three started to do and correct me if i'm wrong is that they started to really and i was talking to uh another story screen member of the family which uh i'm disagreeing with them so i don't want to like name them and put them on the the, blast but Oh, I can try and guess who it is. Don't. They were saying that they kind of wish that uh, Marvel movies may, like, be... They should perhaps take more from other genres and kind of fuse together with other genres and become more genre films. And I said, I was like, well, I think they have been. Yes, they They've been doing that been. for a while. Um, and what did that person say when you said that? 
They kind of just nodded and agreed. Um, oh, oh uh, what a healthy conversation. Yes, it was Great. good. Um, I think, but I agreed that they could do more with it. But I, what I was saying was, with Guardians of the Galaxy, like, those movies are, are rooted in comedy genre. Like, they are very, like, like not slapstick, but... Yeah, it's almost it, like an always sunny episode. Like you have a game. It's kind of comedy and and it's exploitation as well. Like mm-hmm. it's very like kind of like you know James Gunn came from like trauma pictures and stuff like that yeah. with the guys that would make like the Toxic Avenger and which those movies rock and Newcom High and stuff like that and they're great. Like yeah. I have a co- my my VHS copy of Tromeo and Juliet is yeah. one of my prized possessions. I had a friend who interned with them and she got to wear the weird like headdresses and stuff. Fuck yeah, that's yeah, awesome. She that loved is it. so cool. She loved it. I like knowing you who knows her. Yeah, she's a cool that. girl. She's very nice. She did cinema studies at Sydney Purchase. Nice. Um, um and uh, have you seen James Gunn's two previous movies before? Uh, no, I saw Belko Experiment. I think is the only other James Gunn movie I've oh, seen. Oh, you have so you haven't seen Slither? No. Or Super. I did see Super. Super is James Gunn. I don't like Super. You haven't seen it recently. There's a, I didn't like Super the first okay. time I saw it too. And then I watched it like a year later and it was like, that's a fucking movie. It just came weird, out. It came out too early. There's a scene in Super that I really don't like. Oh, I'm yeah. not trying to make it a Super podcast. But there was something about it that I really didn't like. But I do think I could revisit it and maybe see. Gender wise kind gender of gender uh, swapping exploitation but exploitation kind of stuff. but like i don't know if it's really handled in the right way it's supposed to make you I feel know, like that yeah that's the whole i understand what it's supposed to be doing mm-hmm. yeah but i get that too because that kind of irked me the first time i saw it too and i was like this is a little what are you trying to say you can't just switch roles and be like you're saying a statement you know right exactly that's, yeah that's and that's that's kind of his whole thing is that you're trying to figure yeah. out is this guy is this really happening? Is he really seeing this or is he mm. fucking losing his mind? And that's the general thesis of it. So then when everything else is happening, you're like, so wait, what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. Like, is this just like, this seems kind of like a fantasy that he would want. Right. Super absolutely. You have to watch it again. I'll watch it again. It's really, really it cool. Again. And it's just like The Sixth Sense came, uh, no, Sixth Sense, sorry. Um, Unbreakable came out. That really boring movie. Unbreakable, so <laughs> fucking good. Unbreakable came out. Like, two years too early. Unbreakable came out, like, right before, like, Spider-Man and X-Men franchises started, like, lifting off. It came out yeah. right in there. The zeitgeist before it kind of starts. Before really. it, like, really yeah. went out of control. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, a couple, like, Spider-Man, X-Men movies existed, and then this dropped. And it had to waited a little bit longer, and it would have been this critique of, like, the superhero movie. Right. It would have been great. And Super is the same way with this third wave like Unbreakable was to the second wave of comic book movies what Super is to the third wave that we're in the middle of right now. Interesting. I'll check it out again. Yeah. But we, I mean the world's going to end before we get to see where these Avengers As long as we get to or see Or we're what just happens. going to die. Yeah, like, I mean, that's it. That's if we a, keep drinking Cosmos like this. We're gonna that's a thing die. that you need to understand is like you're never going to get to see all the Star Wars movies cuz you're going to fucking no. die of old age. No, before. but we're going to see the ones that fucking matter. We're going to see the one that has the last Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill's in it, and that's all I give a shit about. Yes, that's true. Right? Who's going to argue with me that? I don't true. care what the fourth generation of Star Wars are doing when, when Finn's son's brother <laughs> is going on an adventure. My mom's sister. My mom's sister, who also knew Lando Calrissian's mom's sister. It's like, I don't care about any of that. The next generation and a half of Star Wars, I'm really strapped in on. And then when the blockbuster bubble burps, bursts. Burps. I'm going to say burps still. When that happens, then I'm going to be over all these movies. And we'll see. Burns going down. Um, so Guardians of the Galaxy. That movie's really good. The colors. Beautiful. The acting. Fantastic. Groot. Groot. That's not great. much I could say. Vin Diesel. I mean, seeing Vin again. 
Mm. Really warms my heart. And did you did you read that Gro- him playing Groot really helped him get over Paul Walker's death? Not get over, but really come to terms mm-hmm. and kind of find peace with it. Mm-hmm. It almost brought a tear to my eye. Have you seen him, that. like the, the videos of him, like when he voiced the Iron Giant and when he voiced Groot, mm-hmm. like in the recording studios, like him doing it is like he's... He, he's just ecstatic. He probably. looks so fucking because fu- he's like wearing glasses and he's inside a recording studio, <laughs> and he's just like like sunglasses and stuff. And he's just like he's got like a bottle of water, and he's just like raising his arm. And he's going yeah. crazy. He's a very passionate, powerful man, and I want him and Dwayne Johnson to not fight anymore. I think that there will be a time we will get the buddy cop exclusive Vin Diesel Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie. Mm-hmm. It will happen, but it's going to happen after the fight. The dust has to settle on that on that fight, you know? Mm-hmm. It has to, because you, you, you can't, like, uh, speaking of Vin Diesel and everything with this... Uh, Please. The, the, Don't stop. This movie is about family. Yes. And the Fast and Furious franchise, starring all teen heartthrobs Vin Diesel and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, thespians. All about... All about family. family. Absolutely. And Guardians does it better. 100% absolutely. In two movies, they do it. I was really eight. nervous that you were going to disagree with me on that. Just throw my cards in your them. face. I love both the families equally, but yeah. I'd rather I'd rather hang out with There's a moment the in, Guardians family. There's a moment in volume two where, like, I think I think Nebula says, all you guys do is argue, and Drax is just like, we're family. That's mm-hmm. what family does. He's, she's like, you guys aren't friends. He's like, we're family. And I'm well, like, and that's and we'll get to that in volume, when we discuss volume two in-depthly too it's uh, Drax is the one who like sees all of the because all the characters in volume two are still dealing with all of the little um, like little tiny things about themselves or little Mm. like eccentricities that make them like kind of just like bad people and like not really healthy to work with others yeah and they learn little lessons in the first one. They don't really change. And you only get three months. It takes place three months later. Yeah. Drax is the only one who's really changed where he realizes like all the things that make them quabble and make them argue are what make them a family worth protecting. I think it's because he's a character who lost a family. Exactly. See that well, and they've yeah. all lost something too. And that's Guardians of the Galaxy is about a group of misfits, mm-hmm. who five misfits who have all had something very traumatically taken away from them. Yeah. And they're all dealing with it in different ways that can technically be considered like different stages of grief. You know, um, uh, Peter Quill is heavily in denial. He's He refuses to accept the fact that his mother has passed away. Well, that's why he is, he's addicted to the nostalgia that he left behind. That's why it follows him everywhere. Him like quoting 80s, him like wanting David Hasselhoff to be his dad. Absolutely. He's tr- he's mm-hmm. built this this cube he gets to live in. He built this prison for himself that keeps him safe where he he gets to live in 80s nostalgia forever and then he carries his mother with him everywhere, which is the volume which is the awesome mix. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. that's kind of his character. And then, you know, he couldn't hold his his mom's hand in the beginning of the movie, but he's oh, able to hold able to hold Gamora's by the end of the movie, and well, able to unite with a family, mm-hmm. you know, he's Absolutely. able to to break out of that box. to reach out, yes, and let someone touch him, mm-hmm. but not in like a sexy, like a not in a sexy way, pelvic sorcery kind of way. No, he's no, been doing that. that for a while. He's been doing that for. A we bit. met his friend, in the and uh, Drax has had his family stolen from him, and he's like raging out and trying mm-hmm. to like kill whoever he thinks is responsible. Um, Gamora was abducted as and tortured. 
and traumatized throughout her entire childhood mm-hmm. and her life by uh, Thanos, Thanos, the Mad King. The Mad King. And she, in this movie, uh, so because of that, she doesn't trust anybody. Yeah. Um, and she's kind of isolated and cold, uh, but has like a very nice personality. And it's the same with um, Nebula, too. Nebula has like a pretty decent personality. She's just like, I'm fucking crazy because I've been fucking pulled apart and put back together again my entire fucking life. You de- definitely that you get a little bit more of that in volume two. In volume one, she is kind of you could definitely tell it's that she's there. It's there. But it's they there. obviously they're like, we're building these five other main characters. Yeah. We don't really have enough time to focus on these two villains that we have. No, and I and the thing is they give her plenty of time and things to do in volume two. Yeah. Really and then Groot is like from like a forgotten civilization that nobody even fucking knows about. The collector doesn't even know who he is. So yeah. where is it? And Groot from the comics, I believe, is like, uh, it's almost like a Buddhist figure where he was like a prince of like this Groot, like civilization, well, this like, planet, and he they, left. They're kind of like a, like almost like singular. They seem like they're like singular minded, like all yeah. kind of like a hive mind yeah. unit. It's like James Gunn came out and he said like Groot died at the end of Guardians yes. of the Galaxy. And this is just like his clone son. son in the same way that like when a tree like drops seeds and another tree grows, it's like yeah. a clone of that. Like it's not another thing, it's but it's the, also not the same. It's in the family tree, dog. Yeah. Family tree, and then Rocket was uh, tested on and all that stuff, and changed, and mm-hmm. he's he feels uh, he feels empty inside he and isolated lonely. because of that because he's the only one. And like I love his line, "Ain't no thing like me, but me." Is both at the same time street hard and also super fucking sad. Yeah, because he's just admitting out there, he's like, "I'm alone." He owns it, but it doesn't make him happy. Mm-mm. You know, that's and why he's such a dick. Even the the bad guy of the first one, Ronan. Mm-hmm. has had a lot of things taken from him and he's just acting out in a very yeah. like extreme way. He he is he's an extremist. He's definitely a lame bad guy though. I do not agree with that at uh, all. What makes him lame? Let's go. He's blue. He doesn't say anything interesting. First off, he care. looks fucking cool. We no, agree. No, he doesn't. No, oh, he doesn't. So you just don't have good taste. That's so what do we're doing. So you think Oscar Isaac's character in Apocalypse looks good too? No. So what's the difference? This they don't look alike. They don't look alike. I don't judge people just based is... on the color of their skin. Oh, it's you, what they're wearing. Oh, fuck you. Oh, yeah, you got fucking caught whatever, right there, buddy. Whatever. I guess maybe maybe you're gonna be me for not liking uh, Avatar either. No, you cannot like Avatar because it's fine. not that good. Yeah, it's fine. It did a lot for visual effects at the time. Ronan's a good bad guy. Uh, he's an extremist. He's, he's an extremist no, terrorist I... that wants to blow up a fucking planet due to religious beliefs. Bing bong, hello. Yeah, but that's okay. like real. Like people do that. Like I not planets, obviously, but <laughs> not yet. But I think that those sure those are really great elements of what makes a bad guy. And I'm not sure. Yeah, to you're totally you. right. Fuck you. I'm not trying to convince you because that's never going to happen on this. No, you show. can convince me totally. I think that there are really great elements of a bad guy there. I think that the things that you have extracted from the movie that make up like what his personality profile is is very interesting. I think what they give you in the film, when you first meet Ronan, it's them dressing him up, and it's a lot of just, like, mumbo-jumbo Avengers talk, which is, like, the worst part of, like, the machine movies. What's Avengers talk? Avengers talk is just, like, there's Thanos and the stones. It's, it's just, like, weird exposition from, like, three other movies. I agree that that does exist in these movies, but I would say when they're dressing him, they're he's, he's a... Um, what is the fucking word? Like, extremist is the thing I'm going for here, but he is like a religious, like, he's a fanatic. There you go. He's a fanatic. He's a fanatic, yeah. And he's just like, I bathe in the blood of my enemy, and then I wake up, 
and I have these rituals done to me. And he's saying it as they're being done. And like, I follow the ways of my father and his father. And I'm going to fucking kill these people that killed my family in this great Cree war that apparently happened and is long since gone. A treaty has been signed. It's all over. Maybe, and he's like, fuck this. Maybe the thing about him that's not as interesting to me is because in Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm, I'm going to eat this cherry real quick. Okay. That is delicious. Mm. Mm. Burns going down. Mm. That is very good. Mm. So yeah, I I think that there are elements. What you described, those elements of his character are yes, very interesting. But I think that the way they convey it in the film, um, I don't want to say slows down the pacing necessarily. It was just very not interesting to me when because, I'm watching the movie. And I think that's because the, the main characters are so fucking interesting. You're like, yes. don't give me this. Like, then we get back to. But know, I think he's a. I think he's a formidable bad guy that kind of mirrors like the angstiness of these characters and like you know. Guardians of the Galaxy, they're doing the whole Firefly thing where it's like, sure. these are bad guys that are, Doing, you know. They're protagonists. That they're, yeah. they're like, but they're good people, you I know. Think, I think the cool thing about Ronan in the context of the movie is that he's so devoid of personality or even anything interesting about him for that exact same reason. When you have your Ronan scenes, he's so dry and he's like... He's just revenge hungry and thirsty. He's just like the quintessential bad dude. Right. There's nothing really empath. There's nothing no, no, really no. likable. But I him. think that they're like not so much empathetic. Where like, oh man, I feel for him. I get where he's coming from because he's an extremist. He's a fanatic. Like mm-hmm. you shouldn't connect with them at all. You know, it's like you can no. tell me exactly why the kids that shot up Columbine did it, but like I'm not going to empathize with them. I can understand where they're coming sure. from, sure. but they're still wrong. They shouldn't do that. Right. Um. But I think especially in like, you know, when in scenes where he's talking to Thanos and especially that scene where he's just like, you call me boy. Like this is a dude who's used to being this feared guy in this in the entire galaxy. Like you drop his name mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, fuck no. I don't. Yeah, Ronan, we don't fuck with We that. don't do that. Yeah. Like especially like, you know, people in Xandar and stuff like that specifically. Because but they're, they're a part of the war. Exactly. They yeah. They're the like, well, I don't yeah. want anything to fucking do with that guy. Sure. I, I think he's I think he's an all right bad guy and it's it it goes into those things there's there's a lot of things throughout the Marvel universe the Marvel cinematic universe where fans and critics will complain about certain things like like you know the 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 Marvel exposition language which is completely true they do that all the time and it's just it's a very efficient way to get things across some people do it better than others sure that's like in Guardians of the Galaxy you have all of those things. You have like a, like a pretty like two-dimensional bad guy. You've got some Marvel exposition language. You've got a MacGuffin kind of driving the story. All of these things that are in a lot of the movies. But Guardians of the Galaxy does it very well where it all feels – you can do those things correctly yeah. as long as they work and they flow within what you're doing. And I think the attitude of Guardians of the Galaxy is what really allows those things to just go like – yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's let's do more fun stuff too. It's the attitude, and there's like a there's like an element of like self awareness there as well. Yeah, and that they understand which which like, comedy allows you exactly, and that's why I think that you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. If we do have these different Marvel movies that are rooted in being a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, but also have kind of hybridizations, if that's a word to use, sure, to other genres of movies, I do think Guardians of the Galaxy is rooted in comedy, just like how. So War is kind of like your espionage, spy movie, and then when you get, like, Black Panther, there's a little bit of, like, we've talked about before, there's, like, some elements of, like, some James Bondy, but it's also some, mm-hmm. like, more so dealing with, like, 
what it means to be ruler of a place and what it means to be king, what it means to be president, what it means to be kind of leading this these people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's like you talked about like uh, a certain member of our story screen family uh, saying that they wish that Marvel movies would kind of lean more towards these kind of genre almost like genre stealing, like taking these like tropes of different genres and putting them towards these characters, whether they're new or they're old. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like phase two was where they really started doing that. And like, like, I mean, even Captain America, the first Avenger, just by its nature is a world war two movie. Sure. I mean, just like how Thor is a fish out of water story. Exactly. And it's like the, those are like not so much genres as just like, Oh, this is a, this is like, the backdrop to what the story we're talking about. Iron Man 3 is very much a Shane Black Christmas uh, yeah. detective story. Uh, mm. Thor the Dark World is a piece of shit. Uh, yes. Captain America the Winter Soldier <laughs> is a 70s spy thriller. Yes. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy is a uh, millennial Star Wars. It yes. is a yeah. It is an updated version of... All of like the really fun sci-fi space adventure movies that we grew up with in the '80s, and uh, same with um, uh, Ant-Man as well, which is technically Phase Two, even though it came out after Age of Ultron. Ant-Man is a heist movie, yeah. only you're throwing these like capes in there and stuff like that. And Guardians of the Galaxy is a comedy, but the sci-fi, the kind of uh, space opera mentality mm-hmm. of it, really is the main focus because all the Marvel movies are funny. That's sure. kind of their thing. They started out, Tony Stark was like their figurehead, and he's he's the quippest of the quip. Yes. You know, like they're, people on Reddit, they talk, they call like Marvel movies, uh, like quip fests and stuff like that. There's this sure. kind of ironic subculture where I can't tell if they're being sarcastic or funny, where they're like the DC movies are good because they have Christ allegories and stuff. They name all of the things that make the DC movies bad. And they say that those are the reasons that they're good. And then they name all the things that make the Marvel movies good and say that that's why they're bad. So it's kind of that thing when you're talking to somebody about Mm. a thing and they're just like disagreeing with you on absolutely every single thing, even just like cold hard truths where it's like, Mm. well, Marvel has better actors. This is literally true. That's just a true thing. Literally true. That's a true thing. Sure, DC's got Jeremy Irons, but they got Jeremy Irons. I leave the charge on that. Love me some Henry Cavill and give me some Gal Gadot, please, forever. Yeah, Gal Gadot. Mm. Yeah, Mm. she's great. She's part of uh, the Fast Furious family. Yeah, absolutely. Was well, (laughs) bye. Rest in peace. Uh, yeah, the comedy in Guardians of the Galaxy really takes it to another level. I remember being really shocked going to finally see it. And really excited about it from the teaser trailer and the trailers. I mean, the things I liked about it is because it was so, like, not a part of the Marvel machine. That's mm-hmm. the reasons I like Guns Galaxy. And that's what I mean when I say the... it doesn't really, not that it doesn't count, but, like, I don't count it as. Yeah. Because it's really doing very little to push the overall universal story They consolidate forward. all of the Marvel Avengers shit into the Ronin Thanos theme. And the collector and, thing. And the collector thing. Boom, and, and, that, and that's out, that's it. We're that's out. it. We're done. Bye. And we're just learning who these people are, what their flaws are, why are these misfits misfits, why do we need them to work together? Mm-hmm. And that all works really well. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about some of these great moments. In this movie. In the first one? In the first one. Yeah. We'll get to the second one in a little bit. I mean, even I think just the, the cold open. Not even cold. It's not a cold open. but the, It's a cold open. Absolutely. You think it's it cold, comes sure. before the credits. It's okay. cold open. So the cold open of the movie is incredible. 
incredible. incredible. Like, if you're not shedding a single tear during that scene, you're a mo- fucking monster. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's done so well. Just his mom being like, li- like literally moments before she's going to die. Just mm-hmm. being like, why are you going to fight this school? Mm-hmm. Why do you do that? And, and just, I like how it's, uh, you know, we're introduced to his character where he's like, uh, we, he's a kid and he got into a fight because he was protecting like... A frog. Uh, like a uh, a very small, weaker thing was beaten down by a bully with a stick. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. It's literally a bully with a stick that's going to beat down this planet. James Gunn likes doing that uh, kind of... It's like how in Last Jedi, it's like, what are you gonna do? Face down the entire empire with yeah. a with a with a laser with a sword. Laser sword. <laughs> Just yeah. like guess what? But even like, uh, there's a part in in Volume Two where they're like, "You're never." They say to Yondu, "You're never gonna get the the Ravenger funeral that you deserve." Blah blah blah. Oh yeah, and we know where this he, is and going. And then he fucking gets it. But we yeah. want like we know where it's going, and we know that we're going to get it because mm-hmm. we're like they don't treat us like idiots. They don't try and no. trick us or anything like that. They're just going for these emotional moments. And it's not a question of whether or not we're going to see that. It's because we know we are. It's when we do see it, is it going to feel like both we, the audience, and Yondu deserve it? It's when you And see, the movie pulls that it's off. It's proper seating. It's proper... Like I think James Gunn, as a writer, is very good at doing the Chinatown glasses in the water. It's, totally. He's very good at being like, I'm going to give you something very early in the movie. And it's going to come back. Not in a cheap way, not in a, a twist. Yeah. It's just a way that's like, you've been paying attention, It, it right? makes you feel good because you've yeah. been on this journey and now here are the rewards. You're on the ride. Yeah. yeah. He'll he'll make a he'll make a bit last three scenes. In volume two, when with the uh, the <laughs> fruit that's not ripe oh, yeah. on the ship. It's a great joke. He, he made that a callback for like the first half of the movie. It keeps coming it's back. It's a piece of Constantly. food. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. So he's just, he's good at, he's just a good writer. He's a great writer. Yeah. And he's a very uh, stylistic director. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be to make movies mm-hmm. like this. Um, yeah, but that. also, too, the thing with the frog is mm-hmm. uh, we sh- we see that, like, this guy cares about, like, little creatures that can't defend themselves. And the very next scene that we see him in, he's kicking lizards on, like, this planet. Like, he's just kicking all those lizards all over the place and using them as microphones. Yeah. You're like, oh, 24, 26 years later, like, this is a different kid. Like, the Ravagers yeah. growing up with him, now he's like... The good kid is inside of him, but he doesn't think that he needs to act on it because he's been doing just fine. The good kid's listening to the headphones still. The good kid, he's still listening to Awesome Mix. He's Mm. still listening to his mother's music, but he gives less of a fuck because he's grown up. It's the same way where you and me might have had a little bit more more values, morality. I told my parents I would never do drugs. You did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, drugs are bad. I'm never going to do drugs. I'm a fucking liar. I'm never going to drink heavily and have a weird time on a podcast, mom and dad. I'll never do that. Never. And they said, what is a podcast? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> um, I love the opening scene. Super heartbreaking. Yeah. Sets the sets the stakes for his character, our main character. Uh, and then um, I really love the uh, the prison scene. The, 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 the entire prison scenario well, i mean how do you feel about the 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 chase of the orb on um oh that's just like that's m- m- mamma mia yeah. that's steven spielberg shit right there that is steven where spielberg it's like shit. it's like it's like three different fights between uh four different people yeah all kind of like bup, 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 going back and forth going back and forth who's well, going like, to get away it's like they put oceans 11 in like a fucking like five minute sequence mm-hmm. like it's it's a heisty kind of moment 
But it's like, you know, it's it's the MacGuffin, like you said. It's them trying to get this one thing, and it's it teaches you everything you kind of need to know about the character. That's the best thing about it that shows scene you, is like, that you get everybody. Yeah. This guy, it, like, we've been shown that he's like a bumbling kind of nimrod. Mm-hmm. He's a bro. But he's bro. from what we see, like, when he's on, um, what is it, Morak, the, uh, the first planet that he gets the orb on. Yeah. Yeah, like how he escapes the guy, the Ronan's guards. He's crafty. He's crafty. He's street smart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He knows he can handle himself. That's why he's able to like kind of best Gamora in yeah. combat because like Gamora's a better fighter. Yeah, and she's just, also uh, turning so a leaf right now. She's trying True. not to kill anybody. Like this yeah. is a thing that's not said to us straight up front, but by the end of the movie, or even like halfway through the movie, we learn where she's like, I don't want to fucking do this shit anymore. Yeah. And I'm trying to change my ways. So you motherfuckers, I could kill all of you right now and take this orb, but I'm trying not to. And it's that patience that she gives them that allows her to find a family. I think the first three big set pieces of the movie or just have sequences with the cold open. I'm going to scope over the road and bit because I don't care about it. And then when he's on the planet, when he's getting the orb and he's just like, I'm the legendary outlaw star Lord. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. Who? And then, like, that whole, the whole sequence of him dancing, listening to music, and then when they're on the planet, chasing the orb. I think those are some of, like, the three strongest, like, tent poles of, like, and that's not, that's, like, you're not even really, that's, like, Act One's not even done yet of that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not really until they are in prison, that's, like, when Act Two begins. That's Act Two, yeah. That's Act Two. So Act like, Two, yeah. Act Two, uh, where the porgs are. Mm-hmm. In the jail. Oh, my sweet little porgs. <sighs> <sighs> it's very good. Um, no porgs in this movie, unfortunately. Mm. But we do have Rocket. We do have Groot. So that's fine. A lot of weird lizards that also come back in Volume 2. There's a lot of like crazy background characters all throughout this well, movie. When that's... they go to the bar scene, like when they're going waiting mm-hmm. to meet the collector, all the characters in the background there are just like, Jesus Christ, how long did it fucking take to put all of these people in these it's things? Even, it's even like, you know, in volume two when they're on the, the kind of like Ravenger chill spot. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's like a blown up Katina, uh, or Cantina scene, you know? Yeah, like, Moss Eisley kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of the same like vibe. And I, I like your definition of of millennial Star Wars because yeah, I mean, it, 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 even though it's I don't, it's, it's more I, hard sci-fi. It's not as fantasy as Star Wars is. I would say it's not hard sci-fi. It's it's and it, it's not yeah. as fantasy. It's it's a space opera. Sure, yeah, you know, like totally. it's Star Wars is space opera with like magical like Arth- Arthurian kind of things like yes. thrown in there. Guardians of the Galaxy just like it, I mean, technically it has magic because the sure. Infinity Stone. It's much more magic than it's it is. It's not a fucking Duracell else. battery. Like, that's not a thing that exists. No. Um, it's prophecy. It's prophecy. The Chosen One, you will bring balance to the Force. Mm-hmm. Who thought there. that up? <laughs> Who made it? Answer, answer me! That Ryan it's jo- been eight movies. That answer Ryan, me! That Ryan Johnson movie, dog, he's going to tell you. It's in the extended. Ryan Johnson just tells you in the director's cut last Jedi. Does he? No. Oh. He puts pops in and is like, it was, um, it was Watto. Watto. Watto? No, yeah. it was Yaddle. Yaddle? The girl, the, uh, the girl, girl Yoda. Yoda? The girl Yoda. The, the very interesting Yoda with a ponytail? Uh, yeah, that one. That's what it is. That's I would like it a very Watto. interesting Yoda with I, a ponytail. I, okay, I'll give you that. I want to see with Watto just like, he's like, 
he's just like looking at a bunch of robot shit. He's just like, the, the chosen one. This uh, is going to make me a lot of money. Look at this. Look at this here. The Andy, chosen one. Andy, look at this piece of pottery, sir. Can you believe that uh, you... <laughs> I love him. He's the best character um, in the movies. He's so... F- he's great. Oh, yeah. God. Yep. Woo! I'm going to have to take a little sip after that one because that's Watto brings me back. Watto hurts the throat. Watto puts a lot of stress on the thyroid. Um, Oh, yeah. Gotta love the... uh, um, The... The, the 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 mask. That's what I was trying to say. I couldn't think of the word the mask. I think uh, it's Star Lord's mask it's is funny. Like the coolest fucking thing. It's very cool. I it's... want it and it will never exist. Not in the way that you want it. No. No. Uh I like it because it, it's very it's very like fashion over function. Cause he has it's a space mask that shows a little bit of his hair on the top because mm-hmm. you know he likes his hair. Mm-hmm. You know that's a guy. Well, I've who always likes assumed that it was and I really feel like this will become canon, like eventually it'll show. I've always assumed that he stole it and it's just one part of a larger like soldier's outfit. Oh, maybe. And it's supposed to be like I that's mean, the, the mask so you can take the it. thing off. Yeah, no, like he I think that he stole that from somebody else, and there's like all these other parts that are supposed to go to it, but he just has the mask. That's that's interesting. I like that read of it. Makes sense because yeah. why does it look like that otherwise? True. I mean, the the reason my just analysis of it was not where he got it so much. But he didn't but make like, it. No. More exist. They didn't right. build just one. No, it's also like pretty high tech. I think it's funny the times he chooses to use it in both movies. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like. Uh, when I need just, to breathe and when I don't want to hurt my face. Yeah, but like it's just it's just funny. But there are also plenty of times where he's in a situation that like might hurt his face and he doesn't wear it. Well, yeah, because yeah. we got to see his. We got to see his face. That's why, like in Avengers, they rip Captain America's mask off. You're yeah. like, well, we gotta Chris Evans. He's an actor. We gotta have his he's face beautiful. up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like his his mask is very cool. The tech is very cool. I love just all the outfits in the movie and the design of the movies, like. Drax's skin. I mean, we're we're not gonna argue that like the entire movie just looks amazing, right? Oh yeah. Like even Ronan's costume. Ronan's costume is cool. I actually Thank so, you. It's not that cool. It is. Okay, okay, you want me to give you something about Ronan that I think is cool? <sighs> their yes. big okay, their big spaceship, especially towards the end of the movie, that's like a giant bird where like all the, the dark pieces, Esther, yeah. The, all the pieces kind of like move it's and cool. rotate like an obelisk. It's cool. That shit is fucking cool. And it's huge. It's giant. It's very big. Yeah, they they takes an entire fucking like pirate fleet to it's take really it. It's really cool to look yeah. at. It's awesome. Yeah, you're right. I don't think his suit's that cool. I wish they leaned a little bit more into the, like the feudal Japan style that they were starting with. But they can't lean too much into that. Feudal Japan don't exist out there. They don't know what feudal Japan fucking is. Give him a cool mask. I don't care. Why Darth Vader exists? We're doing feudal Japan. His version of a mask is like they put like that black paint on him. Yeah. To give him like it's the war paint. Yeah, yeah, war paint. I get it. Cool. I get it. Fanatic. Yeah. Also, the scenes where he's on the ship and he's like talking to it's like so Darth Vader Palpatine. Oh, absolutely. It's 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 almost crazy. How much it is like it. I was watching it the other day and I'm like, huh, wow, you guys aren't even really hiding it. No, he's like, because James Gunn's like, you're seeing my Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which is about a bunch of thief misfits uh, journeying through space. Mm -hmm. You like Star Wars. Here you go, puppies. Here's a milk bone. You like it? I think the other thing is like, 
to my knowledge, and I don't know how many Guardians of the Galaxy comic books you've read. I haven't read any, but I've I've read articles and things about the comparisons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The movies are not too akin to the graphic no- or the comic At books. All. Yeah, They're no, like there's a, it's like a 2008 Brian Michael Bendis rebooted Guardians of the Galaxy, which was like a big thing back in like the 60s and 70s and 80s. Yeah. Which had like uh, Yondu as a character. He was part of the original like Guardians of the say, Galaxy the, kind of the, thing. The characters that we see in this Guardians of the Galaxy are actually they're a new like, rebooted this, they're version. like the second phase, or or even like probably like the eighth. You yeah, because Yondu's like, in the original ones, but then there's are there Revengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy, or is that a Ravagers? The, no, there's the Revengers. Oh, the Revengers. Yeah, no, they're like Where Sylvester uh, Stallone's character in theory would be a part of that as well. It, well, Sylvester Stallone's character was part of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, that's what it is. So okay. in Volume Two. All those dudes that Yondu's like, boys, my boys, yeah. come on, man. Like, those guys are all, <clears throat> sorry, um, interpretations, reinterpretations of the original, original lineup from the 70s. Gotcha. Um, more or less. Okay. One of them's Lex Luthor. Uh, <laughs> it's Michael Rosenbaum. Oh, well, there you go. Is like the ice guy. In the second one. Oh, really? That's him. That's him? Oh. He came out and he was well, talking. He's like, I'm, play, my, I'm playing a very huge figure <laughs> in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And everybody's like, oh, fuck. Who's, who's he playing? I'm the Iceman from X-Men. He's the Iceman. <laughs> well, also, Miley Cyrus is the weird robot head. Yep. Which is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Michelle Yao. Is the also the in there. That does the, 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 the no, the, uh, the Asian woman at the end, like in the post credits, like scene with Miley Cyrus as like the kind of like oh, 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 weird I, box sure. thing. They're in, in that sequence. They're in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. Michelle Yao. I'm not familiar. Michelle Yao. I you Crouching say, Tiger, well, Hidden Dragon. I haven't seen Crouching Star Tiger. Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, I know you are trying to push me into corners where I could tell you that I haven't seen the thing. I don't have to push you into corners. I just like you're already just, in it. Like I just, just gotta easy. show you that like there's like two walls <laughs> on both sides. So you really love the prison scene, but do you love the lead up into the prison scene where you're getting everybody's like uh, headshot? And, like, yeah. and then he's doing the he's doing the middle fingers like oh my god I'm sorry I didn't know how this uh, machine yeah, it's worked great. it's good stuff that's all great give me it all mm-hmm. my favorite probably my f- I won't say it's my favorite but one of my favorite parts of the movie is uh, Rocket in the prison scene like now they've all kind of decided like well we're gonna kind of work together so we can all make a shit ton of money blah 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 but we need yeah. to escape first Rocket knows how and he's walking up and he's like I'm gonna need this I'm gonna need that and then we're gonna need this up there that up there and while he's talking about like getting the battery up there you see in the background Groot like walking up to it and just grabbing it and and Drax like walks up and like he sees it and he's in the background he's like looking around and mm-hmm. it's all like this like really good staged comedy yeah and it's Rocket saying it's like we have to get that last because like it's gonna go into like system overdrive blah 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 like everything's gonna go it's off it's some like Pink Panther like slappy it's stick physical comedy yeah, but it's, it's great. grounded in like yeah Groot would go do that because Rocket just said they need it yeah and. The way everybody's reacting to each other, like there's one of the best lines of the movie where Rocket's just like, Gamora's like, well, how am I supposed to get that? And Rocket's like, well, I, uh, I heard a bunch of these goons around here think that you're beautiful, so maybe you could coerce them like that. And she's like, you can't be serious. And he's like, no, seriously, no, 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 I heard they said that you're beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so That's good. great. Like, yeah. that's a line that when you write it, you go, I am good. And then you oh, go yeah. and treat yourself to ice cream. After that, you put you you close Celtics or Final Draft, and you just go get yourself a big big rocky road. Are you a Celtics guy or a Final Draft guy? Uh, I know I should be a Final Draft guy, but Celtics is free. Celtic? No, Celtics is it for me. But people say that like no one knows the difference, right? When you I, have it, printed, I know the difference. When it's printed out, 
in like your no, when it's printed out, fuck that's, no. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Celtics all the way. I do think my version of Celtics is a little old and like runs a little slow. Mm. I would, I would like final draft one day. I think final drafts got. This is the same thing here on our Guardians of the Galaxy podcast. <laughs> this is the same thing as like the editing software that I use. Like I have finally, I I learned on Avid. Okay, and I and I fucking I can wreck Avid and then I learned on Final Cut and I really liked Final Cut and I finally landed on Adobe Premiere Pro Mm -hmm. and Premiere is it that is you're done Final Cut has way too many bells and whistles for what I'm trying to do maybe it works out better for somebody who's attempting to do all of these like super insane things I can do a lot on Premiere Pro like and but I know like uh, like some of the best uh, editors in the business that are still working today they still use Avid. If you're someone, for big movies. If you're someone who's trying to get into any industry and then you hear industry standard, it's scary when yeah. people tell you nonstop and you know that pretty much besides you and me who like Celtics, most people are gonna be like, "Oh, you don't write on Final Cut." It's like a conspiracy theory. It's yeah. just like you don't fucking write. You don't. What do you mean? You don't fucking write on. Or not, I'm sorry, not Final Cut. Final Draft. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, you don't fucking write on Final Draft. Like, how are you gonna? No one's gonna read your script. No one's going to read your script. Shut no up. one's going to read your script. It's like it's wrong because when I hand you the printed out version with my little fucking bits in the three holes, mm-hmm. the punch holes, my little copper bits. Celtics is uh, like Premiere. It's just way more personalizable. Like you can personalize yeah. it to exactly how you want to go about doing it. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to set up certain things like Final Draft also allows for that. But I find Celtics's uh, outline to just be way fucking easier well, to use. It's, it, that's it, it, it's, all. It's, it's clean. It. It's not cluttered. You can add, there's a really helpful like you can add post-it notes to anywhere you want on the page. Guardians of the Galaxy was written on fucking like uh, Microsoft Word. All right, <laughs> so fucking back off. A very old version of Microsoft Word. It yeah, called, it was called Paper. Yeah, it was on an <laughs> Apple Mac. <laughs> The files are in there. And he didn't have a printer, so he just, like, took screenshots of the screen and then, like, scroll down take a screenshot. He didn't even have a phone at the time. This movie was written in 1968. It's just a bunch of Polaroids strung together with... The music that exists in this movie didn't even exist when he originally (laughs) wrote the movie. James Gunn is Fuck, he was probably not even alive when this movie was written. That's how good it is. It's fucked up when you start to think about it. It's really fucked up. Um, I love... Yeah, the prison scene's really good. I love that they, it's just very good that they don't go into this weird heist plan. It's very good to the characters, it's very good to the thematics of the, of the movie that they don't like. They explain this plan, they try and do this thing, and then Scrooge just the like, The prison ah. escape? Yeah, yeah. It's just I like, love I'm that. just going to fucking do it. It's Ocean's Eleven where they, mm-hmm. they, they, they get to the end of explaining exactly, like, kind of what they've got to do, and then all yeah. of a sudden it's just like, oh wait, never mind, just go. Just do it. Yeah, and yeah. we know what we have to do because we just spent one minute listening to what we have to do, but now we know that that's not how they're going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And they seem it's like they, they probably are people who function better on no plan than a plan. Mm-hmm. That seems to be their vibe. I also really love Rocket. He's great. I'm happy that, not that his performance was any hindered in the first movie, but I am happy that they started having Bradley Cooper do the mocap for Rocket in Volume 2. Because um, he does not do the mocap for Rocket in the first one. He doesn't He doesn't do the mocap in the second one either. It's Sean, Sean Gunn does the mocap. No, I think I was reading today that they had Bradley Cooper do like the facial stuff and the mocap. For volume two. News to me. Maybe maybe it was just the facial uh, he's, stuff? He does the facial stuff. Okay. And he does the... But I know in as volume far one, as like, he just does the voice in volume one. 
Okay. So maybe in the second one he does just the facial. Oh, that's mocap. interesting. Yeah. I guess that would make sense too because they actually because again more money they can get really up close to uh, Rocket on yeah. more often than they do in the first. They get up close to him a lot in the first one. Sure. He looks so fucking good. Oh yeah, oh. this shit was made fucking like what? Uh, this 2014 six. 2014. Sorry, I think it's 2014. So this shit was made four years ago, and it it, it looks fucking pristine. It looks like you can't build on it at all. There's, yeah, it's not like one of those movies like when you see, I think there's there's only one part of the movie where I was just like, it looks a little weird, and there's like a, a CGI blue guy in the prison who puts his hand on Gamora, I think. And there's only one moment where I was just like, it looks a little too super imposy. Mm-hmm. Are you I'm, talking about I'm the blue guy that looking. wants to fuck Chris Pratt? Uh, is that is that? His Arabian jelly, go to town. And yeah, then Groot like sends it. it is. Yeah, that's Nathan that's Fillion. Got... Oh shit! Really? Yeah. That's, he's really good friends with James Gunn. That's fucking funny. Well, he was supposed to be in in volume two. They cut it. Yeah. What, he's, do you know uh, what he was? Or? Yeah. He's he's uh I can't remember the name right now. Uh, he's an actor on Earth who is also like has a is also a superhero. So he's an actor, like his his Clark Kent is an actor that everybody knows. Oh. But then he's also a superhero, and I can't remember. It's almost very like Watchmen-y more. I'll anything. get it. I'll get it in a second. It's like right there on my fucking head. Um, I can see that being a little confusing. Yeah. But yeah, like I guess it was supposed to be like, he was supposed to, there was a, a scene that was supposed to take place by a movie theater on Earth, which I would imagine was in a flashback from the beginning, and, and yeah, it, there was going to be posters and stuff up. Um, well, I mean, this is probably a good point to like take a break and come back and talk a little bit more about volume two. Did you have anything else you want to get off your back about volume one? I mean, we can still cut back, talk about it in the yeah, second Yeah, I, I think that we still, I'm not trying to like comb through the whole movie. But yeah. Yeah, we come back, talk some more, a little more volume one. Yeah, there'll be yeah. a little bit more volume one within our volume two. We gotta two. talk about the fucking, you know, celestial head, because that's gonna... No, uh, nowhere? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's gonna be a thing. It's yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna there. take a little break. Take a little break. Get some more Cosmos. Oof. Go back into the Cosmos. That sounds good. Ooh. All right. Uh, we will be right back after this commercial break. Wait, eat this cherry. Hello. Welcome to another episode of It's Fits, where Story Screen's film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons, speaks... On a film. Today, Fitz will discuss the 1981 Steven Spielberg film, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. First Indiana Jones movie. I was thinking about the trilogy. Do they call Indiana Jones trilogy? I never heard that, but it's three movies. Raiders of the Lost Ark... Temple of Doom, and the third one. (laughs) The Last Adventure. No, I'm so wrong on that. And I was thinking about it the other day. The first one is... I mean, there's no movie, like, Architect slash... What the hell is he? He's got a gun and a whip. He's like, uh, I don't know. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? But Raiders of the Lost Ark is... I remember as a kid, Temple of Doom was pretty fun. But, like, that's definitely the worst one. The third one, The Last Crusade, that's probably the best one. Maybe. Possibly. The first one's really good. I don't want to be a critic. 
Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones. Spielberg produced it. Don't know who directed it. This has been another episode of It's Fits. Hello and welcome back. It's still over drinkers time. Ooh. And we're breaking into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. We're still going to be talking that talking to that Volume 1. We're talking here that, and volume, there. that Volume 2 while we're talking Volume 1. Right. So, so now we're going to focus more on Volume 2 and allow our lovely story screen tangents to <laughs> link on over to Volume 1. <laughs> We've had enough Cosmos where it is. So it's it like time. like Celtics is Go on. No, I think we talked enough. About I think it. there's not too much to say about yeah. Celtics. I really like you can change the font color. Yeah. And uh no you can't. No, unless you pay you have to pay extra for all that shit. Yeah. That's the thing. Some of yeah, like who wants to do that. Some of the weird things like I remember I was like, "Oh, I want to bold this word." They're just like, "Okay, it's just 99 cents a month." I was like, "No, no, no." no. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you're if you're like spending your time writing screenplays, you don't have money. No. <laughs> unless unless like you sold one. Yeah. If you sell one, you can almost afford Final Draft. Almost, yeah. Almost. If you sell one screenplay, you can, you're good for life. Yeah. Like, that's it. As far as I'm concerned. I mean, you could sell, I mean, listen, if you sell a good screenplay to a good studio, you can make like. Those guys from A Quiet, you haven't seen A Quiet Place yet, right? Not yet. Those guys that wrote A Quiet Place are swimming in it right now. Well, I mean, that's the thing about being a writer. It's like. You make a good sum of money when you sell one thing, but you have no source of income. So it's like, sure, I have a nice apartment in this major metropolitan area, but that money is going to run dry. Even if they give you $30,000 for that script, you still have to make more shit, you know, and you you don't have time to work at the coffee shop. No. No, that has to go. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, sequel follow-up, part of Phase 3. Uh, dropped on in there. Um, what was this? What year did that come out? Last year, 2017. 20, 17 was last year. It came out before volume one, 2007. 2007, it came yeah, out. 2007, yeah. yep. Um, one of my favorite movies of last year. Yeah, it was in your top 17, right? It was in my top 17. Yeah. I think that it was just above 10. Yeah. So it just didn't make my top 10 because, again, last year was a monster. It was a monster. Um, love the movie. Uh, it, it was the one movie that I was the most excited for the entire year. Yeah. Just because, like, I love the characters and I want to hang out with them more. Plus, Kurt Russell's in it. And he's also so good in he's that so movie. Good. He's, he's so good. I mean, Kurt Russell, you get him in anything, especially, like... Kurt Russell of the past like 10 years like mm-hmm. this new Kurt Russell who's like he's older he's wiser he's sexier he's not in be- a different way he's not sexier no, he's but like, he's sexy he's, in a different he's, way he's dad sexy I mean he's not yeah. listen, he's not Snake Plissken no more he's not just doing that he's yeah, no. doing the movie I haven't seen it's yeah he's York. not like when he in his heyday in like the 80s you know and even like a little bit into the 90s a little bit like he was more like a Jeremy Kolodzeski kind of sexy you were like men yeah, abs- men want to be him women want to be with him exactly. men want to be with him absolutely yeah it's and 2018. it's 2018 men everybody now yeah. he's kind of moved more or less into this kind of like Jack Kolodzeski 
kind of era where it's Very, like you respect him. He's wise. You want him to like you. You maybe want to have a glass of wine with him in his very expensive loft. And maybe, yeah. maybe after having a few conversations about science, he'll invite you to his quarters to talk about intimate science. Yeah. The yeah. intimate science is all I want to talk to Jack I, about. That's all I want. <laughs> that's what Story Screen's always been about. It's like, I need to find out a way <laughs> that I can talk about intimate science with this man. Please. And it's just he's just he's uh, he's he's good. He's a gate, he's, he's good. A, he's a gatekeeper. He's a gatekeeper. He all right. <laughs> uh, but no, Kurt Russell is phenomenal. He's bearding it out. Yeah, he, uh, I feel like he kind of looks like like a, a older me, and I mean this in the ser- in the serious sense where it's like he has this, he has like good flowy curly locks, but he's all gray. He has a big poofy beard, mm-hmm. and it's like I want to look like space pirate Kurt Russell. That's what I'm. Going you'll, for. you'll probably look like that. I'll get there. Yeah, I'll get there. Couple decades on you. At least one. <laughs> At least one. <laughs> keep drinking all these Cosmos. Yeah, they're really good. They are. Right? Mm, delicious. Mm. That's what I do. That's what I do like. Uh, so, if Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, which mm. it's not called, it's called Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Um, but if Guardians of the Galaxy deals with um, all of our characters finding their place in the galaxy with each other as a family... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 puts that family to the test. Sure. And also pushes uh, the boundary, uh, pushes the the characters' different boundaries on how close they're allowing themselves to get to these people. And especially Yondu and Nebula are kind of brought in and we learn more about them, which we're all the luckier for because uh, they're great. Karen Gillian and Michael Rooker are phenomenal actors and they're great in these parts. I think it's crazy how. I don't want to say little because Chris Pratt's in the movie, of course. He's still like our main character, but he's mm-hmm. not really the focus of yeah. the film. He's the focus of the first he's one f- very much. He's the focus of the plot in this movie, but he's yeah. not in the movie a whole And lot. the second one, they allow everyone else. Drax has his side thing with mm-hmm. Mantis and right. he's talking to them and Rocket has his thing with Yondu. Nebula has her thing with Gamora and Baby Groot is more of just kind of like a... Uh, like a prop at this point. Yeah. Love me some baby Groot. I mean, Vin Diesel, I was actually like trying to figure out, I'm like, is Vin Diesel still doing yep. baby Groot? And mm-hmm. he, he is, except for I think James Gunn did the mocap for the dance scene. He which always apparently does. took like two years to like make. Oh, really? Like the opening, oh, the dance, opening, the yeah. opening dance sequence with Groot, like in the backdrop of like crazy. That's like, an insanely scene. intricate uh, shot. It's madness. It's insane. It's madness. It's a one-shot dance sequence where there's like this insane fight happening in the background. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. And it's one shot in like, you know, like the, the post-digital age, like the post-gravity age where it's like... Fake cuts. You know, fake cuts and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah, but it's still like maintaining that. Like cuts allow you, even in cartoons or CGI or mm-hmm. digital... Cuts allow you, like, a breathing room to be able to edit. Yeah. So when you're just doing one thing that all has to flow and the concept of space and where we are mm. is constant because we're that's just the way the mind works. Oh, you yeah. went from here. Now you're there. That means that where we were is right there. Mm. So now when you go here, now I have two points that I am aware of where they are. And the longer you go, the more it's like... Well, you just came from over there and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's like, it's really exploring the the side of the 180 rule that your camera's going to be on. 180 yes. rule, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a single shot's really exploring that entire space. Mm-hmm. Almost, quote, unquote, without cuts. 
and we get another. It's not a. It's not a single shot necessarily, but it's a um, when they're doing Yondu's when Yondu gets his uh, prototype fin and they're escaping the Ravager and blowing it up. Yeah, they have a scene where they move into an aerial that's slowly pulling up from like the room that they're in before the Ravager like separates. Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't call it the Ravager. I don't know what the name of the actual ship is that they're on. It's the Ravager ship. Yeah. Sure, the Ravager I'm ship. I'm sure it's got a name. But, like, I don't know if you remember, but, like, it's an aerial shot where they kind of remove the ceiling, what that room would be. And yeah. they just shows them just, like, the chaos ensuing and they rise up from it. And it's, there's some really, the camera, the camera work and the stylistic choices in both movies are really fantastic. But Guardians 2, it's kind of what, I, what we said earlier. It's, like, it's pushing that next level shit. Yeah, there were moments when I was watching this movie in the theater the first time I saw it where Spectral. I was just like, my God, they didn't have to do it like that but i'm so happy they did it must have taken it must have been so much harder and taken so much time to do that when like the idea itself is cool they could have just presented it in a very easy way to shoot but they do it in these very interesting ways and that's that's what makes james gunn like a stylistic director it's not just because his colors are popping and where he chooses to place the camera and move the camera is engaging. It's how he chooses to present all of it, all of it yeah. as one cohesive piece of art is just out of control. Insane. Yeah. I would say I love Guardians of the Galaxy for its uh, like it's kind of humble filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a dude that's like breaking on in and there's great shit in that first one, too. But Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is very much like, way more like artistic expression of James Gunn, even with colors and style and everything. Like he's pushing the boundaries of what these kind of Marvel blockbusters can be cinematically. In Volume 1, he's really pushing what the structure and the boundaries of Marvel movies are, I think, on, on the page. Obviously, there's really amazing color palette. Like you said before, there's an amazing color palette. The movie shot very well in Volume 1. Um... But it's what he's doing for story that is great. It's what he's doing. It's like, you know, having Chris Pratt dance in the final showdown between him and Ronan instead of just, like, have this weird fight that's going to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. those are the things that really push the paradigms of what a superhero movie can be. But then when you get to Volume 2, it's just... It's so... I'm going to say, it's so unlike any Marvel movie until Thor Ragnarok comes around. Absolutely, yeah. But it is very unique. Mm Mm-hmm. Even Thor Ragnarok, I think Thor, rightfully so, is, like, it took the James Gunn textbook and started reading it, and it's all the better for it, but, like, it's James Gunn who really kind of pushed that envelope in the first place. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is dealing with the, uh, like, the cosmic aspect of Marvel Mm -hmm. and everything like that, and so James Gunn is the one that's tasked with, like, being able to take these amazing things from Paige and putting them to celluloid, and... He does it really good in the first one with using colors that you would not think should be used. No. Uh, and the colors never become confusing, too. Like, uh, Yandu is blue. Nebula is blue. Uh, Ronin is blue. Yeah. There's blue people on Xandar. And we're never really confused uh, of the fact that we're like, wait, are all blue people like Kree? Like, like Ronin? Like, it, it never, it never really, even... It just doesn't really matter matter it doesn't matter yeah. but in any normal movie that would matter yeah where you're showing all these different people like all right so gamora's green so she's not the same as drax mm-hmm. who's blue but he's got tattoos and it's like but it never comes into the idea it's like this is a world of insane humanoid yeah 
nonsense. It's almost like, I, I don't know, you don't really, do you watch Rick and Morty at all? I've watched some of Rick and Morty. You watched some of Rick and Morty. So, like, Rick and Morty is the most meta, self-aware, like, sci-fi, tropey, like, comedy shtick, right? Yeah, that's what it's going for. That's, like, what it's going for. But it does, what it does, like, super well is that, like, it goes to these planets, these dimensions, introduces these characters that, like, in the moment of an episode, it's mainly just to tell you, like, these, we're either focusing on this story element or this beat with these characters from this dimension, whatever, but it's not, like, the, it's not distracting, and the thing is, if you want lore for those things, like, it's out there somewhere, you can, like, figure it out. And I feel like that's what it is with Garden of the Galaxy, where it's like, yeah, there's some people who are just red-skinned. Like, literally red. And there's some people who are, like, green or blue and stuff. And it's not really supposed to distract you. It's just supposed to be like, no, the universe is as colorful as the palette of the movie. Like, that's just how it is. You know, diversity is... You think <laughs> planet Earth is diverse when you get to the universe, it's even more insane. And there's more, like, you know... Your Chetulian monster, your Lovecraftian beast that they fight in the beginning of the movie is just another fucking monster they have to do, and it's shooting rainbow spit at them. <laughs> like, that's totally cool. You know what it is about Rick and Morty for me, man? Yeah, into it. I, I like that. I, I love that I show. love Rick and Morty. I think it's a great show. Rick and Morty has some of the fucking worst fans in the yeah, dude. world, man. Yeah, and dude. It, that's the and problem. It, and it rubbed me off of it. I watched the first two seasons and I absolutely loved everything, and I haven't gone back because I'm think, just like I, I think don't. in your in your heart of hearts you know that that should not dissuade you. It from shouldn't. Media. I know. You and know I'm that. broken about it. I'm I, a man apart. Well, I'm here to tell I'm you, Vin Diesel from a man <laughs> apart. I'm here to tell you, I am you. Denzel Washington, a man on fire. You are on fire. I'm a man on fire. Man on fire is a good movie. That's a that great movie. That movie is really fucking cool. Dakota Fanning. OG awesome. Fanning? She's great. Yeah? Yeah. She's gone now. Now we got L Fanning. Whatever. We I'll upgraded. Take I'll take it. But, iOS. Uh, iOS L <laughs> came out and we are like, ooh, that's way more, that's way better than the other one. It's almost like they have an age. I'll take that one. Um, but. Very much so too about the, should... the Rick and Morty bit aside. Yeah. The, wait, did you want to. I just think season three is really good and you should watch it. I, I know. I And everybody that I respect and love and hold dear tells me that it's great and I want to watch it, if but it's just I, like, it's I so let, toxic. But, yeah, but dude, you play video games and Gamergate, like, still exists, and, like, you should not play video games. You should just not be a sexist asshole, which you're already really good at doing. I don't do it. Because of Gamergate and all that shit, I don't do multiplayer online gaming anymore. I don't interact with people through games anymore because it's just fucking disgusting. Yeah, but, like, honestly, dude, Lama... Oh, you got a Gamergate over here. And it's just like, you got your racists and your sexists and they're just a bunch of bitches. You gotta turn off your mic, Michael Burge. Your tricks don't work on me. Only money. I got a chance cube. A chance cube is almost like taking the word dice and taking the interesting part out of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it makes no goddamn it's, it's sense. It's like it's like we're gonna play a game of poker. It's like well, let's it's play also, a game it's of, like what is of it? It's, it's a six-sided die yeah. that's meant to choose between one two or two options. Th- two options. <laughs> we have things that do that already. They're you, called fucking quarters. You flip it. You flip a coin. Not Star Wars. You can't flip a credit. That's all digital, I, I guess. I don't like it. Flip a metachlorian. Let's see where it lands. (laughs) So, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It was a good movie. Look, let's break right into it. I think we know why we're both here. I know why we're here. I love me some Guardians of the Galaxy and some Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. 
They are my favorite things mm. in the Marvel universe. They're some of my favorite movies mm. because they personally yeah. affect me. We've had enough cosmos where we're ready for. Oh yeah, we're drunk yeah. enough where we can talk we can about the real shit. So let me let me take let me take the audience through the walk. There was a pitch I had for Burge that he has delightfully resisted until now. Here the it pitch, is. The pitch was: I want to host an episode of Overdrinkers. Where I'm the host and we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy because you keep telling me how personal it is to you. Mm-hmm. And I think through just being your friend and talking about certain things, I, I kind of know which elements of Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 mean a lot to you and like what thematics like really touch you personally, but we haven't gotten too much into that. Yeah, but of course, this is Overdrinkers where I am the host, Mike Burge. I'm the only person the only that hosts person. this podcast. It me. I'm the yeah. voice. I tried tying him up and putting a ball gag in his mouth, but he... Ex- expertly and, and brilliantly broke out of it immediately and started hosting the podcast. I'm really I good at that. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now I turn it over. You're the host of the podcast now. So Hello and hold- welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers. I'm the annoying voice in your ear, Robert Anderson, and I'm joined by... Mike Birch. Hi. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing really good. So we've been talking about Guardians of the Galaxy for probably like an hour and a half at this point. About but that. Yeah. I think that we've had enough Cosmos, as we mentioned earlier, and I think I want to talk to you about something you've told me a lot, that Guardians of the Galaxy is the movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that means kind of the most to you because it's a personal touchstone. And I kind of want to talk about why that is, and maybe not in a vague sense, if you have something you want to throw out, it's like something to hone in on. I'm open to it, but maybe even in just like Guardians One, mm-hmm. what about that movie when you first saw it? Where you're just like, "This is this is for birds. This is the thing for me." Uh, my dad left my mom uh, before I was born. Sure. Um, never met him, mm-hmm. and my mom uh, is has been battling cancer for over ten years now. Uh, well, we almost lost her there. Okay. At one point back then. And even though I'm lucky enough that I still have her, uh, it literally not a day goes by that I don't worry about it in some kind of sense because is it can... She, is it like... Is she at the point in the cancer where it's like the worst is behind, things are looking better, or is it at the point where it's like... No. It, so it's it's not, an ongoing thing. It's, it's uh, something that she's continually battling. This, this is... Without getting like super dark or morose, like this sure. is what's going to take my mom. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time, but right. she's fucking tough. Mm-hmm. She's a dragon. A dragon. She's nuts. <laughs> like she's uh, she's the strongest woman, if not the strongest person that I know. Yeah. Uh, she's my best friend. She got me into movies mm-hmm. in the same way that like uh, Peter Quill's mom like shares music, music and stuff like yeah. that. My mom would share movies with me when I was younger, and some of my favorite movies like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Back to the Future. These are movies that my mom showed me that yeah. she has just as much love for them as I do. Um, and the cancer is like the biggest bad guy in real life it's that not, I know of. It's like of. Nazis to movies. Yeah, it's yeah. it's <laughs> or Nazis. Cancer is the big bad guy yeah. in my life because it's the guy. It's the thing that's trying to take my mom away from me yeah. constantly. And whenever cancer is a subplot or a device that's used on any certain character, especially if it's a mom in movies, like it cuts to me. And the way this movie presents it is in a very realistic way. Like the first time my mom told me that she had cancer, uh, she had waited for me to come back. I was in the military at the point and I was deployed. She waited for me to come back and she picked me up at the airport and drove me home for an hour. And we just talked about 
you know, what's been going on? Because I've been away for a year and everything talked about music and stuff like that. And she waited until we got home. It's two o'clock in the morning. So we're both going to go to bed. And before I go to bed, she stops me and she says, so look, I don't want you to worry, but I have leukemia. It's fairly aggressive right now, but we've caught, we've caught it early. And, and I remember like, that is one of like the biggest moments of my life where I just like, like uh, everything around you just kind of drops and like gravity isn't even really a thing. It's like a slow-mo. Like everything's gone for a hot second. And it's just like the first time that you're met with the mortality of your parents. Like luckily for me, I still have both my parents. Like my stepdad married my mom when she was four, raised me like that's my dad. You know, that's my daddy. Yeah. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be able to have two very loving parents and I still have both of them. I have friends that have lost one, if not both their parents and they're orphaned and it's like, it's devastating and I can't imagine it, but it's, everybody is going to have that experience, whether they have a good relationship with their parents or not, where they're going to be met with Mm -hmm. the mortality of their parents. Like, like if all goes according to plan, your parents are going to die before you. Yes. And that's the gift that you give your parents is that they don't have to suffer through your death. But you have to They suffer. raised you and they mm-hmm. did all that for 18 years and made you the person that you are and set you loose upon the world for better or worse. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to be the one that takes care of them when they die. That's kind of like the the cycle of life with parents and children and stuff like that. And so there's that moment where you first realize like, fuck, that's going to happen. And when this happened with me, I was 19 years old and it was like, fuck, shit. And like I broke down and I hugged my mom and she's like, it's absolutely fine. Like, again, my mom's like a tough cookie and she cared. But also at the same time, I know that like my mom cares more about me not overreacting than she does about, you know, telling me straight up how it is. Mm-hmm. She's not going to lie to me, but she's also not going to just give me, like, the brunt truth no. of it. And so, but, like, again, like, that was over 10 years ago. She's doing really good. Uh, comes and it goes. Right. Yeah, we're we're actually in the process right now. We're going through, like, another big scare right now. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's, she's tough and she's going to get through it. Like, and I know she yeah. is. And she tells me constantly that she is. And so that whole scene in the beginning. So I want to sl- just slow it down because this, okay. this clearly is the scene that is the most resonant with you. It's well, the, with my mom. With your mom. Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, let's, so then, still want to slow it, it down. It gets deeper. <laughs> so even more so, I'm slowing down the Milano to uh, to the speed. But so when you're watching the movie in 2004, mm-hmm. that's a joke. It's 2014. 2014 is when, when you're watching in 2004 and you're watching the movie. And this is the cold open of the movie. And this is not really too relevant to the comics. I don't even know how many Guardians of the Galaxy comics you read before the movie. So who fucking even knows? So you're going to this movie pretty cold, Mm -hmm. seeing this cold open, seeing this this exact scene I'm fairly certain this is all entirely created by I think so. I think so as well. So how do you feel just sitting there in a movie theater watching this and being like, oh, fuck. I'm bawling before the Marvel Like it's already happening. Yeah. The the line, when, when he walks in... And she's sickly. Like, my mother has been sickly looking from time to time, but nothing to this extent of Peter's mom. Like, she's on that, her deathbed. She's, she's, she's movie it's, cancer. Here we go. Yeah. yeah she's yeah. movie cancer. Yeah. But it's it's uh, her dialogue and her uh, – she's, she's a human being that has lived on this planet for 
uh, in her example, uh, Quill's mom. Okay. Um, in her example, like she's lived on this planet for like 30 something years. She's young, yeah. And she's about to die and all she cares about is making her son comfortable and talking to him. Yeah. And making him happy and giving him a gift. And it's like, yeah, that's what it's like. I mean, I, when I can someone only, who really loves you is sick, like they I don't want to talk about well, because, why they're sick. But there's also like, there's not much I feel like they can do. I, I've been lucky where I've never had to deal with my parents being sick or anything like that, or not even really a close relative, knock on wood, that they would be kind of dealing with something like that yet. I mean, anything could happen and we'll see. And you're going to deal with tragedy at some point. That's the I mean, way, again, that's the, way the, the that's card That's the works. best case scenario in yeah. this whole thing. But that being said, like... I feel like people who are sick, people who are, especially going through cancer, it's like, they want to make sure you're comfortable because, like, there's not much you can kind of do mm-hmm. for someone who's in that position. It's like, I can't really, you can only comfort them so much. They're yeah. in chronic, it's, terminal pain. It's something that's know? out of your control. And when you're used to being the person that's supposed to take care of somebody, yeah. you're a mother and you're like, it's my job to take care of my son and make sure that he gets through this. But as the son, you're going like, I have to do something to protect my mom. Nobody hurts my mom like this. Yeah. But it's a thing that you can't fight. Right. And that's the Peter Quill, like, as a little kid where she's like, take my hand. Like, he doesn't want to accept it. Like, he thought that his mom was <laughs> – he thought that his mom was, like, a strong person and could get through it. Yeah. He doesn't want to accept the fact that it's all over. It's about to go away. It's in moments. And yeah. he ends up turning away from his mother – in her last moments when she just wants to hold his hand. And it's a very powerful moment. And it happens, dude, the, 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 the cold open to this thing is like, what, three minutes? Maybe. 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 It happens yeah. so quickly where we're introduced to characters that we don't know from the mm-hmm. Marvel Universe. And they're not even the same actors that are going to be portraying them later on. It's a no. little kid. The kid is actually one of the kids from It. Do you know that? Wait, really? Which yeah. kid? Uh, he's the, uh, the, Jew- the Jewish kid. That's oh like, shit! Really? Yeah, that's the same so kid he that just, plays. Young I guess Peter he Quill. grew in like four years, like a lot, because that's what kids do. That's what kids do. Yeah. They grow a <laughs> they lot grow in like a lot very, in like a very short amount of time. They're like puppies in six months. Yeah, yeah. it's puberty. Mm. Um, it's a very, it's a, it's uh, it's very well done, and James Gunn uh, nails it perfectly, almost to the point where I would imagine like something like that has happened to him yeah. or somebody that he knows, because it's perfect. Like James Gunn himself as a dude has struggled with drug addiction and alcoholism uh, oh, okay. for a very long time. And he has been clean now for like, fuck, like almost a decade, I think. Sure. And like, so that's his thing now where he's like, I think his thing is like he eats ice cream, which is why I made that ice cream joke. Oh, okay. Before, yeah. Like he, he's like, yeah. whenever I feel the need to like really let loose and reward myself, oh, no, when, he, some ice cream. when he writes, when he writes that really sick fucking rocket raccoon line, that's yeah, what on Celtics. Yeah. yeah. And and Celtics. On a word we, processor. See, when you and I do it, we go do crack. Yeah. And we just have a great time. Yeah, because I'm still addicted to drugs. Yeah, we're super... Absolutely Yeah, we're not doing... I can't even stand ice cream, but I love crack. Crack's good. It's 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 fucking cheap. It's powdery. It's it's super cheap. It fast acts. Doesn't smell. Doesn't smell at all. No. And you can get so many delightful pipes. Yep. So, obviously, I kind of... I remember you telling me a while ago, or it came up in conversation that your mom had been battling cancer for a while. So, I had a feeling that this was the... The main touchstone of the movie that really of the kind first of, one totally of the first one that like emotionally like is resonant with you. I have a few uh, 
inclinations of what the second one <laughs> touches yes, you do. as well. I yeah. kind of figure it out. But even in that first movie and in that first scene, I feel like the difference is you probably didn't feel like you would not have grabbed your mother's hand at the end. Did you feel like you had a moment of like not, you know, when she tells you that, you feel like you had a moment of being like, I don't want to accept it. I don't want to comfort you. Because I feel like that's not what yeah, your story is. I'm, I'm 31 years old. Yeah, you're not eight. I'm a man. Well. I'm a, I'm, I'm a boy in many ways. Thank you. <laughs> but in age and body, I'm a man. That is true. Inside, it's supposed to be a little bit more mature. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> technology has allowed that I don't have to grow as fast. Well, the millennial condition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see your wall of lightsabers if you have seen mine. I, I, it's the Skywalker lightsaber. It's the whole Skywalker it's, family. It's, my mom yes. likes that. Yeah, so I bet she does. I'm just trying to make her happy. My mom has cancer and she likes lightsabers. So excuse me. <laughs> my mom doesn't and she also likes lightsabers and she hasn't judged me yet. So nah. it's good. Moms are nice. The thing about moms that's really cool. Ooh is that they just eventually, when you're growing up, they're like, stop fucking playing video games and doing this fucking thing. Then eventually, my mom actually talks to me. She's like, what video game playing? Mm. What is it about? It's because she what fucking loves you. Because me and my fucking brother talk about video games all the time, and she doesn't like to be excluded. And I get that. And she just like wants to be like, well, what's it about? Oh, that it's sounds the, really it's cool. It's the craziest like, thing. Like, my mom is like a, I'm 31 years old. My mom's a human being that I'm like friends with. My mom's very young. Yeah. She had me very young. And, uh... She's only, what is she? was born 1963, so she's like 55. Okay. She's turning 55. Our moms are like pretty much the same age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. she's like very young. Like I have I have friends that are older than my mom, like close friends that I hang out with and I go drink beers with. Well, that happens when you work in the service bar restaurant industry. Sure, yeah. Where all of a sudden, like when I worked in Starbucks, uh, so like I work, I work in a coffee shop now where it's a lot of young folk. When I started working at Starbucks when I was 17 because they offer health benefits, you start working with moms and dads and, like, older people because they have to have these jobs to give their families health. Their entire paycheck just goes into the healthcare plan that Starbucks provides. But I remember, like, it's weird when when you're that young and you start working with people who are that much older than you and you're not calling them like i'm not working with this barista at starbucks calling them mr whatever like, yeah. i'm calling him by like it's like hey erica what's up like, yeah it's a complete you know like uh the, the myth of age adults yeah it's, like it's it goes away and you're like oh shit quickly. my teachers fuck i was so mean to my teachers why also, did i do also, that to i them? think my teachers were drinking a lot yeah like, of course came, they were they you were one of their over, students yeah like they had to do it. But it's like, I look at my mom and like, I'll hang out with my mom and I'll drink with my mom. Yeah. And just like watch movies with my mom and just chill. What's mama, and what's mama Burgess drink of choice? She's a, uh, she likes like the flavored whiskeys. So like the. So she's a whiskey lady. You know, like the but... cinnamon Jack Daniels and stuff like uh, that. Does she fuck with honey jack at all? Th- that's her go-to. Okay. Honey jack is what's up. Yo. Honey jack is where it's I at. I am very happy that my mom has picked the one thing that I would never be caught dead having on my bar. <laughs> But I'll drink the shit out of that. Honey Jack is so good. It's like, but it's funny. Like, I'll be hanging out with my mom and like every now and then I'll realize I'm like, this fucking person carried me in their belly for nine months. That's what they do. That's when the she job. was like fucking like 20 years old. Like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. It's insanity. It's insane to think about that. Yeah. It's just basic shit. Like, that's, it's basic shit. But then also there. We just, know where babies come then, from and how they are made. I think I get it. But then for the next, like the rest of your life, that that's an ongoing job. Even you right now living in your apartment, 
that's still their job is doing that. No yeah. What's happening to them. My mom's calling me like every, yeah. she texts me like every day. And that's the thing about, I think like Peter Quill's mom, it's like, even though she passed in those earlier scenes, like him having the music, the, his, so the cassette player that he has is built into his ship. I think that's very important to, to recognize. That well, he's, he's built one in there. He's yeah. built one in he there. He still has he's, his, and he's modified well, he has his Walkman, the Milano. But he modified the Milano to have like a stereo system within it, because the ship has, it's all encompassing, it's all part of that. And I'm sure, you know, now that he's in charge of the Ravenger bits that are left, like he's going to... calling it this word? Ravengers? Ravengers. 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 I thought it was ra- like rav- to ravage something. No, it's Ravengers. To ravager? But that's not the name of the ship. It's the Ravagers? Oh, we agreed that we were going to call the ship that. No. The main ship is the Ravenger ship. Yes. He's in a a Ravenger ship because called the, the Milano. The Milano is destroyed in Volume 2. Remember? In Volume 1. And then they rebuild it. And then it's destroyed in Volume 2 again. Yes. Yes. And then he's... Remember when they're just like, oh, you're the captain now? You're the captain of the ship? Uh-huh. That's the part of the Ravenger ship that separates from, like, the body. Because it's a big ship, right? Yeah. And then Yondu throws the arrow and destroys the ship. And then Rocket Raccoon's just like, dude, what the fuck? You just, you're a maniac. You destroyed the ship. He's like, no, I didn't. And then the part of the ship that they're on separates from it. Mm-hmm. But then, they, because the, I, the Milano makes, okay, so they do re- rebuild the, Milano to get to Ego, right? This is what I'm getting confused now. Okay. What's the, what's the point? I don't know. There's no point. I was talking about the cassette player being the Milano. I think that's an important thing of Volume 1 that he... Yeah. You know, music follows him everywhere. He's kind of, he's kind of the guy... That's another, like, I think millennial trait is to, like, we can't really be silent. Because if you're doing... What do you do? You're going to do dishes around the house. What do I do when I do dishes? Well, what's do you have something playing? Do I you listen have, to some music or I listen to podcasts? Exact, yeah. Exactly. I feel like that's a very like millennial thing. It's mm-hmm. just like be constantly surrounded by sound. Yeah, Phantom Thread just came out on Blu-ray, so then I can go buy that. That's going to be the new thing that I put on every time I do dishes or something. It's got a good soundtrack. It just sounds good and it looks cool, and you don't have to focus on it. To you can just look at it at any point and, and go like, like "Oh, that's fucking great!" I like, I like that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, kind of moving on from like the beginning of the movie being a touchstone for you and being something that really resonated with you immediately. Mm-hmm. What are maybe some elements about Peter Quill, perhaps other than just like him as a child and him being eight? Mm-hmm. That may resonate with you. Him as an well, adult, people always adult. tell me that I look like P- I look like Chris Pratt. Yeah, the, but they're the just fat one. Sure, but I was gonna they, say they, they never being... share a picture of him from like Jurassic <laughs> World, The Guardian. It's always from Parks and Rec, like yeah. season two. So people tell me that I look a lot like Seth Rogen, but then they show me a picture of Jonah Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the uh, the Seth Rogen interview. That's a good joke. on um, it was like on Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of those Jimmys. Uh, that's very recent from the past couple of days. Like, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, you look exactly like Seth Rogen. It's hard. You look exactly. He has a little bit more of, like, the fro going on. Yeah, because he's, like, 20 years older than you. Well, yes, but also that doesn't mean <laughs> that's not why he has the fro. There's a different reason for that. But I have better hair than, than Seth Rogen. Yes, you do. Say. That's the main difference. But we do, there's a similar swag. There's similar swag happening. It's not just in the appearance; it's in the swag too. Man, it's in the swag. Fucking got I just, that. I right. just can't hear myself that way. Yeah. So, <laughs> besides people telling you that you look like Chris Pratt, uh-huh. which I agree, you are a spitting image. Mm-hmm. Um, what? So, like, what? Maybe about Star Lord? 
kind of resonates with you more. Uh, this is a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. My mom would share a bunch of movies with me, and but my parents would both share their music with me when I was younger too. Yeah, and um, <laughs> like that first soundtrack. Almost every single thing you is heard. something that my mom specifically. Jesus Christ! Specifically, like she. How do you watch that fucking movie anymore? It, I cried the whole yeah. time. Yeah, like, that's what just it. Like <laughs> the, my mom introduced me to even like in volume two, like I like Fleetwood Mac is like the big one. That's in volume two. Yeah, yeah and sure. like my my stepdad like introduced me uh, to like ELO. Uh, that made like Mister Blue Sky the, from the beginning yes. of Guardians Galaxy Volume Two. Like all of these. All of the, like, as you go on and you learn more about music, you discover music. Mm-hmm. And these soundtracks, too, I don't even think we've mentioned, like, awesome soundtracks. I think we... They are awesome mixes. We both have volume two on vinyl. You also have volume, I have volume one, one on one. Yeah. And, like, it's... We were talking about it when we were having... Because we're millennials and we fucking collect vinyl. We collect vinyl right? because CDs can go s- in the garbage. And the th- it's, like, Guardians of the Galaxy and I think also, like, Baby Driver, those soundtrack... Those soundtracks are just like the best thing to throw on when you're hanging out with people, mm-hmm. because it's just every song on there is just a banging oldie. Yeah. It's so good, and then I don't hang out with people too, so but, but it's hang, fun to listen to hey, while you're doing dishes. Listen, and man, you hang, out, you hang out with me, and you get to throw on some. Yeah, that's true. You're gonna put on the Guardians of the Galaxy. We were soundtrack. listening to the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack we, that's today. What we were doing. when I made you a mother's meal. It was delicious. I made you meatloaf, corn. I don't think I've seen a meatloaf that had so much. Well, shit my, in it? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I put like, a lot I, of shit in my meatloaf. It was like a, uh, it was like a savory uh, fruit cake. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, like oh, oh, the fruit cake. Peppers. Yeah, because I put like green, green and red peppers, peppers, peppers mushrooms, onions. onions yeah, garlic, it was, yeah, it was fucking awesome. I fuck meatloaf up. It's yeah, like it top really three things I can make. That mo- that might have been my second favorite meatloaf. The first, I have to give it to Dogwood's meatloaf. Hey, go for it. It's fine. That's some good meatloaf. This episode is brought to you by Dogwood in Beacon, New York. Uh, Dogwood's meatloaf in Beacon, New York, specifically. Specifically, specifically the, meatloaf the meatloaf at Dogwood, at Dogwood, which is on the menu always. Always, forever. Unless they run out. Then you can't really get it's it. It's a hot item. I don't think it's one of those things we run out of, though. Because they run out of specials. They're not going to be like, we're out of meat. <laughs> <laughs> can't loaf this one up. Sorry. So seriously, what what else in volume in the first Guardians of the Galaxy do you feel that you... I'm sorry, are you done? Yeah, I'm good. All right, cool. What else in the first volume of Guardians of the Galaxy do you kind of feel like you relate to? About Star-Lord, maybe just overall, you know? I mean, it's... Uh... Uh, the idea of family too is really cool in the movie, and I think that uh, doing story screen and stuff like that, and getting to know like you and Jack and Bernadette and yeah. all the other members of the story screen family, the sexy Jeremy. Oh my god! It's I don't so, even want to go there. I'm sorry. I'm like, sorry. Yeah. You know when you say um, that again. I'm getting a little like hot flashes <laughs> just thinking it's, about it. It's crazy. Um, you know, it's the idea of like uh, people that aren't uh, are not related by blood, and yeah. you're building a family unit off of it. And I definitely get a little bit of that in there. You know, like I'm definitely Star Lord because like I'm the main character. Duh. You know, and and then um, uh, Jeremy's Gamora. Duh. Because. I mean, we don't have to. We don't have to say. You get. You get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then I would say like uh, your group. Duh. And Jack is Rocket. I think we Duh. understand completely Duh. that Jack is Rocket. <laughs> and I'm going to be totally honest with you. Bernadette's Drax. 
Nah, Eric Jensen's Drax, who's not a part of the story. He's not a part of, no, but no. <laughs> if you had it, Bernadette's totally Drax. I can see Bernadette being a little bit Drax. Yeah. I could definitely Lovable. Be, do you think I'm more adult Groot or, or baby Groot? You're both. I, I think I'm more baby Groot. You're both. You're both. I also see some rocket in me as well, but I also know it's more Drax. You, after you get a couple Cabernets in you, you're adult Groot. I'm adult Groot. Yeah. yeah. If someone was like, I would hope that if there's a situation it's like, yo, we got to do this thing. It's super funny, but I don't know how to do it. And I just kind of show up with like, I did it. I did the exact thing you asked me to do. <laughs> <laughs> I just did it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And then Yondu is Diana. Obviously. She's my father. Yeah. She's my father. And you love her. She takes love. care of me and I love, love her. her. Yeah, mm-hmm. so she takes care of you. Uh, and then, I mean, there's also like, you know, the... The obvious, like, more mother thing that Thematics, yeah. when it happens later on, it was like reach out and blah, blah, blah. And there, there is, there is a, that's why I really like doing quarter mile at a time with you and Jack, where mm-hmm. we were discussing the Fast and Furious franchise, where we were also discovering these people that were finding a family unit yeah. beyond like the relative and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's, it really, and, in that, that was like one of the first podcasts that we started. I had known you and Jack for about maybe a couple months before we started that. Not even like very. You, definitely, you got to know us better. Exactly, yeah. and it was we like by the end of that, us. we became yeah. a family. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the Guardians go through this uh, ordeal where they uh, escape prisons and find this magic stone and save this entire civilization. And it's the exact same thing as like sitting down and doing a podcast on the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> <laughs> with two people that you just uh, no. you want to know for the rest of your life, I do. I do really like that, and I, I kind of can definitely relate. Where these movies, Fast and Furious and Guardians of the Galaxy, these movies about like finding family, not through blood, and like I think that's another part of like the millennial condition, and maybe otherwise, but you know, just you you kind of realize that your closest people in your life are not always going to be the people you're related to. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some of them might be. And this but, is a very big thing that Volume 2 is dealing with. Absolutely. It's, and challenging that. Peter Quill has, at the opening of the movie, is surrounded by his new surrogate family mm-hmm. that he has built. And they still got, like, their ticks and stuff to, like, figure out. And then he's presented with uh, Ego, yeah, played by Kurt Russell. His dad, who he's always wanted to know and is the closest link that he has to his mother... You know, and yeah. and it's he starts to so he thinks he starts to yeah. have this kind of like blindedness to his family that he's built, and that's like Gamora the whole time is like we're your family. I thought we were enough. Like yeah. what's going on here? And he's like, well, I have to know, and he starts getting tempted by it and everything like that. And yeah. Oh, my heat's kicking on. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it is like, a little chilly. Like, it's like, it's happening. Um, so on the subject of volume two, because I think. We definitely covered how Volume 1 relates to you, and we've discussed a lot how Volume 1 is about the mother. It's about the mother figure, and it's about Me how, being a mama's boy, yeah. Not even just you, but the story of Volume 1 at its core and, like, the main kind of, like, lesson that Quill learns is to reach out again and to, like, seize the hand this time to not have the regret. But also, I think he learns to live with what he did when he was a kid. But, you know... That's the thing. The book ends of volume one is him not grabbing his mother's hand. And at the end, he does grab his new family's hand. Mm-hmm. And he assimilates himself into there. He uses 
the music that his mother gave him, his mother's always with him. He's he's found a peace there. But the question of the father still remains, and that's what volume two is dealing with. So what is how there's some obvious again there's some obvious connections you can make how you may feel about volume two mm. but i want you to talk about it and kind of talk about it more specifically i got a deadbeat dad deadbeat have you ever met your nope so i know stories about my dad from my mom and uh like my uncles and my aunts my okay. brothers and sisters of my mom so you know about him i know about him if he ever came back to the picture, how what would you? Uh, he attempted a couple years ago, actually, like oh, okay. when Facebook was becoming like a bigger a thing, thing, like to be able to connect relatives and stuff like that. Uh, my dad had um, uh, not going into too specifics and stuff like that. Uh, my dad was a low level kind of like con artist kind of dude, and uh, my mom was uh, studying to be a nun. You're fucking kidding me. I didn't know. Mom was gonna be a nun. Uh, Is your mom like you? Is she kind of just like a shit talking low life? (laughs) I'm assuming. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, a little bit. She's She's kind of like you. Does she like she'll? I get my attitude from my mom. I was gonna say she talked back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, she was uh, not to offend Mrs. Burge. I I think you're a very nice lady. I assume. Uh, Very good friends with your son. Well, she actually has a different last name too because I'm the only one in my family that kept my dad's original last name. Oh, that is your actual original. So what's her what's her last name? Uh, Bennett now because she took my uh, stepdad's name when they got married. So Mrs. Bennett, I I think you're a very nice lady, and I'm very I'm very good friends with your. Does she listen to the podcast? Yes, she does. You're a very nice lady, and I love your son. Yeah, I told guy. her I was talking. I was probably going to be talking about this too, and I cool. asked her if it would be okay, and she's like, "Of course, it's yeah, fucking okay." Yeah, yeah. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Like, you got it. We got to get to the point where because all podcasters do this when they eventually have the moms on the episode. I want to have my mom on an episode, and I, we've been trying to figure out exactly which movie it is, and she's yeah. just so she doesn't know which one to pick. And but we'll, we'll eventually she'll figure, eventually she'll figure it out. Her. Yeah, yeah, it'll be cool. We're gonna drink some white wine, and we're gonna go at it. She's a white wine lady. She's a white wine lady. My mom is. Or maybe uh, I'll just get some. I'll get some of the. The, the honey jack daniels yo that's what i'm saying dog yeah. do that she, you, you got that dope guest room that she'll feel right at home there. Mm-hmm. um my mom is a uh fuck what is it it's um <laughs> it's a white wine it's what's her shit it's not chardonnay it's not pinot grigio it's sauvignon blanc it's not sauvignon blanc that's kirsten um she likes i'll think about it later we'll okay. get back to it but this, there's one wine that's like that's her fucking shit though okay but it's white wine all right yeah what were we talking about? Uh, volume two and the dad. So you, your dad, your oh, dad, yeah. he uh, reached, he did reach out to you. Uh, yeah. Well, time. my mom, yeah, my mom was starting to be a nun. Yeah. Met my dad. Uh, he was, uh, uh, 10 years old than her. So I okay. think that she was like 19 at the time and he was 29. Mm. Creep. Um. Robbing the cradle. And, uh, they fell in love. They got married. She got pregnant. They had me. He bounced. Uh, he came back, I guess, sporadically in between just kinda when I was like one or two. Well, just here's the thing. He okay. had uh, a couple other families all throughout the country. Uh, so he's a lot like... I have, I have. I think it's the number the last time I checked, which was a while ago. I think I have eight sisters, half sisters, all throughout yeah. the country. I'm the only boy. Interesting. Yeah, I think I have one sister so that's older than you're me. You're the only one who has the celestial. Yeah. Them. yeah. Wow, that's actually a lot more relevant to you than I. Yeah, than right. I thought. Yeah, I'm, pretty I'm, fucking crazy. I'm like huh? Actually shocked. It's fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> okay. And uh, uh, my 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 dad's a piece, my real dad's a piece of shit. 
Yeah, he's my biological. He's not my real dad. Like my biological your da- dad. Your daddy. Your yondu. My my father. He's gotcha. my father, but he ain't my daddy. Okay. Um, real piece of shit. Uh, just um, was dealing with his own problems too, as far as I know. Seems like someone thing. who never. Grew he was up. in. He was yeah. in uh, Vietnam when he was very young. Okay. Um, uh, I guess he had some PTSD and stuff like that. Oh, uh, my mom has told me some stories that I will not tell on here. Sure. That you know when she was falling in love with him, he was just like, yeah, well, that should have been a flag. But it wasn't, and then eventually... When you're 19 yeah. and falling in love and trying to be a nun, and, things are confusing. I and But imagine. also, at the end of the day, like she ended up meeting my stepdad, uh, a good guy. Ed, who is like one of the best fucking guys in the world. Yeah. Like She hit the the jackpot. So when did Ed come into the picture? When I was about three. Okay, so he's really, for all intents and purposes, he's my dad. been your dad. Yeah, he's my dad. Sure. So, okay. And did he try and use it for thieving and putting you in small places? No. No. Well, he did good. not. He's a good guy. <laughs> uh, I mean, actually, no. Fuck yeah, he did. He, I, I helped him fix cars and uh, lawnmowers and uh, motorcycles and um, quads, so four wheelers. So stuff. you're like the fucking kid, and um, it was and literally because I had smaller hands. <laughs> I'm like, this is oh shit. It's really bad. You're like the kid in Snowpiercer. Like the kid, the kid is just like changing the pieces and the the kid that tastes better. Is that what it is in Snowpiercer? Well, babies taste better. I guess you're right. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Snowpiercer. That's a movie to do over drinkers on. Uh, that's a story for another day. Uh, yeah, super dickhead dad. Mm-hmm. Don't want to meet him, never want to meet him. He reached out to me, and a couple of my sisters, my half-sisters, have reached out to me as well. I'm not ready, so I've always just kind of politely... Saying, declined. Declined. Yeah. When, when he himself... Uh, reached out to me his facebook profile there's one picture in the world that exists of me and my dad together and it's when he came back when i think i was about a, like one year old and it was on halloween mm-hmm. and it's the only picture that exists of us together and we're both wearing werewolf costumes werewolf like makeup so you can't even really see our faces and it's the only picture that exists of me and my real dad together. I don't know if you see the gears in my head trying to yeah. figure out the allegory there, but I'll, I'll get back to you. Trust me, I've been something. dealing with it my whole fucking life. There's a lot there. Um, but he used that as yeah. his profile picture when he contacted me. All that he's fucking with me. He's 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 being a little a little jerky jerk. What yeah, so I uh, blocked him yeah. and uh, never contacted. That was probably about like five six seven years ago or so at this point. i mean there's another moral to gardens of the galaxy volume two and that's like your family is who you are can are the people who you feel most comfortable with is people who actually raised you mm-hmm. it's not the people who come into your life when it's convenient for them it's people who come into your who is people who've been a part of your life from the beginning and did make the hard choices and did make a goof about eating you. But obviously, they're just fucking kidding. Yeah, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is dealing with this yeah. in a very big way. Where it's like, Peter Quill gets that Facebook message. He gets the Facebook message. He lands right there and he's like, I'm your dad, and Peter. Like, you know, you have that story. And like that's not an unfamiliar story to hear of just like parents who separate. Someone gets out of the picture. And then now in the age of the internet... They kind of come back thinking like easy. this. This seems okay to do right. And now. it's just in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not the age of the internet. It's the age of like, yo, I heard that uh, some uh, Terran was uh, fucking around with an Infinity Stone, so I figured that must have been you. So here I am. Here I am. I need to uh, get you to come with me because I need to use you for something because I'm a piece of shit, dirtbag person. Cool. It would be sick if we could do this together. 
But if not, I'm going to still use you to fulfill whatever makes me feel better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, when Peter Quill is uh, in front of his dad, he does not know, like when he's first introduced to his dad, when his father first introduces himself to him, Mm -hmm. he is not aware of the terrible things that he has done to his mom, who is like the most important person to him in his life. I mean, even though the audience is not like... Right. So it wasn't like a third act reveal where I'm like, I'm getting to know my dad. And then I find out all about all the terrible stuff yeah. that he's done to her and then go like, what? And then like blast him away. You already knew. I already knew. So when he like, you know, landed on the planet that I just crash landed he on with a bunch of my friends, <laughs> I was like, excuse me, Bob, 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 you are blocked. Dual blasters. Ain't going to be poking me no time soon, buddy. Me no you're super, doing buddy. it. You're doing it. <laughs> you can't super poke this kid. You can't even poke me. I blocked him 100%. You can't even see no, anything. Because that's the thing. Like I f- He has no relevance to you. And you don't need the movie journey to teach you that. You had that movie journey your whole life. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. One day. You think so? It'll happen. Yeah. It's gotta. Mm-hmm. I'm still early on. You know, I'm 31 years old. Yeah, you're still, you're 31 years young. It's, there's still time. To I turn 32 out. next month. Hey. Is your birthday next month? Yeah. I was Are you bo- going to be in New Orleans you want some? That? You want some more? Are you going to be in New Orleans during that I shit? was born on Mother's Day, May 11th, 1986. I'm the first born. Made my mom a mom on Mother's Day. You're a motherfucker. You know yeah, I know. I'm a little You're mama's boy with daddy issues. That's me. That's me. I'm loaded, baby. I love it. I mean, it's easy to tell because you definitely seem like someone who has problems. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've covered the... A emotional burgisms of Guardians of the Galaxy. I turn the show back to you. Shoop. Hello and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers. I'm your host, Mike Burge. I'm the only one that hosts the podcast. It me. This is the voice right here. And today I'm joined by the lovely... Robert Anderson. Robert Anderson, thank Hi. you so much for thank joining me. me. Uh, today we are drinking, uh, this is uh, Seven Cosmos. Cheers. Yes, Seven Cosmos. We're drinking co- Seven Cosmos right now. Uh, we've been talking about Guardians of the Galaxy and my personal shit for about two hours now. So we're going to give Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 its due and start mm. jumping on into that. I cry so much when I watch both of these movies. These movies rip my soul so- apart. Don't fucking talk right now. I'm the host. I will throw it to you. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? So Ronnie? the thing that makes me really cry in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So Guardians of, Volume, oh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, obviously Peter Quill intro gets gets the juices and the eyeballs flowing, right? Can't not. In the first I, one. In the first one. Don't okay. tear don't tear up too hard though. That's me. I don't tear up too hard, especially on my third watch of it, which was just recently. Next time you watch it, it's going to be a little different, what? isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to think of you the whole time. I'm like, Burge! This, so, watching volume two, when we get to Yondu's fucking death, Oof. I, dude, I'm watching this movie this morning, this morning, on the day of our Lord, whatever today is. I'm watching April the 11th. movie. I don't care. I'm watching the movie, and watching the whole thing, and it's like early in the morning, and like, I'm kind of in like a grumpy mood, but I'm watching the movie, and, and like, I like it. It's fucking awesome. What's not to like about it, right? Watching the movie, I'm like, yeah, this movie fucking rocks still. It's super good. Then we get to the Yondu shit. I didn't realize, like, kind of, like, 
when they're fighting Ego, I kind of forgot that that's like still another 40 minutes of the movie when that like fight scene kind of starts. Yeah. Dude, same thing with it's, the first one. The, the third the act of the first movie huge. is a third of the movie. Yeah, it's crazy. It's 40 minutes from when they go, we're going to go pre- protect Xandar. Yeah. It's it's, it's 40 cr- fucking minutes. It's crazy. And like, yeah, I was like, it's very thing. well paced. It is very well paced, especially for a big action set piece, which could get old very fast. So I'm watching the movie and like, and the Yondu things happen and like all like the Yondu kind of like the big Yondu notes happen where he's like, he fucks I'm the your, robots. He fucks the robots. He doesn't have a shirt he's like on. like David Hasselhoff. And I'm like, I'm crying like a fucking baby. Yeah. I'm just like, holy shit. Like I didn't think. That I, this this is the third time I've seen Volume Two, in a year. Like I've this is the third time since it's released that I've seen it. And I'm like, I didn't, and like I listen. My my dad is my family's very normal, and that's where my issues come from. Yeah. Is like that problem? You've met my dad, who's like not a bad guy, but you could probably your tell. dad is a goddamn sweetheart. That's the problem. <laughs> um, but he had also, a really good take on Dunkirk, if I'm not mistaken. Very well. He has he he was an interesting guy. I can see where you get your. Uh, your clever wit mm. when it comes to ripping apart Christopher Nolan movies. <laughs> my parents are very like stereotypical like American family, and that's like where my issues lie. I haven't met your mom yet, though. Oh, she would fucking love her. My we mom gotta figure out what her favorite wine is first. Uh, no, don't don't do it right now. Like uh, we've already been through uh, this. Uh, uh, so. Yeah, so I'm watching the hundred since I'm crying like a fucking bitch. Like I'm crying like a baby. Yeah, it's crazy. I was You're shocked. Like, be in touch with your emotions. I was, dude. I was shocked because like, I I feel like I was crying more this this time more than I ever like did the other times I was watching the movie. I'm like, oh my god. And so like then so I'm crying like obviously when he's doing the switch when he's like here's the jetpack here's the fucking spacesuit. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, all right, it's done, it's done, it's cool. And then they're doing the funeral scene. I'm like, I knew this was going to happen. It's fine. I've seen the movie twice. It's fine. And then he's doing the David Hasselhoff thing. I'm just like, ah, shit. It really gets you, man. And it's it's because you care about Yondu and and you care about Peter and you care about all these characters. But it's also because volume two does a really good job of like... Because some of the legwork on a lot of these characters is taken care of in Volume 2, there's only a few steps you need to take with them now to really flesh them out. And you can kind of turn... Like, I I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is much more about Yondu, Rocket Raccoon, and it's like Peter Quill, he's already, like, set up. So when you see him do the stuff with his dad, that might be 15 to a half an hour minutes of screen time altogether. Okay. Besides him doing, like, the big fight scenes and stuff. Right. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, if Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, dealt with uh, finding your place in the universe when, you th- when, when you're someone who has lost their way. Yeah. And finding a family unit that can back you up because you've all been through different traumatic situations. Even though they all decide to just to kind of thieve together. Yeah, they go on adventures they're, together. They're, ba- they're bounty hunters. Gotta make some money. They're cowboy bebop, basically. I mean, look, look, they're bad dudes, but they're yeah. good people. Yes. And they're good to each other. And that's yeah, the whole that's thing. What so they're going to do what they got to do. You watch Cowboy Bebop? I, you, yes. Yeah, that shit's good. Mm-hmm. But that's like, Cowboy Bebop and Guardians of the Galaxy are very kind of similar in the yeah, idea. Abs- yeah. They're very similar. I don't need to go into that. Stylistically, aesthetically, absolutely. totally. The only absolutely. difference is jazz. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and Gar- so Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is very much about what does family mean like the sovereign is a great one the sovereign 
who are like the gold people. Yes. They are uh, like genetically engineered people. So the, they're the technically purity, they're like, technically all like every single person in the sovereign is a mother, father, brother, sister to each other. They well, are they're, they're, one family unit. They're and, purebreds. And they like, fucking the all hate each other. Mm-hmm. They're always just like talking down to each other and they're snickery. And it's the classic idea of what a family is where you know people so well that you're just, you know when they're like, when they're trying to do something, you're like, you're not going to let, I'm not going to let you get that over me. Yeah. All that stuff. And then uh, the Guardians have their own family unit where they're also bringing in Nebula against her will, who does not want to be a part of the family. And they have no intention of her becoming a part of the family. But by the end of the movie, you're fucking right. She does in some way become a part of the family. Same way with Mantis. Same way with Yondu. And all throughout this, Yondu and Rocket get this great... The best scene in the movie is Yondu, like, laying Rocket's bullshit straight. Oh, my God. It's so good. Because Rocket is a guy who uses... Toughness His aggression to be able to hide his insecurities, which is something that I do a lot. Not with aggression. I I use overconfidence... And pride in myself to kind of hide the, the idea that I'm kind of like ashamed of things that I've done and scared that I might not succeed. The utility of sarcasm is something that I think that we could both use. I can see that you use it a lot, mm-hmm. but it's it's its versatility and the way that sarcasm can the weaponized version of sarcasm attack somebody while also kind of putting up a shield in front of you. It's it's like so, so that's like, like social media's entire well, fucking yeah. thing. I mean, like social media is just like you can't see me. You can't see you me, can't see so me. I can say whatever I want yeah. to you, and I can be ironic, sarcastic. I mean, what's that line that fucking Rocket says to to Quill right before he goes to uh, Ego? It's like, I hope your dad doesn't end up being that much of a dick like you. Yeah, it's just like, oh, that's hilarious. But holy shit, yeah. that's rough. Mm-hmm. Like that's a weird thing to say to somebody. Yeah, but it friend. totally fucking makes sense, too. It totally makes sense, yeah. Well, and it's like they present in the idea, it's like Rocket and Quill are probably the ones that don't really have the best of relationships. Like, Rocket has known Groot for a long time, and now they're all taking care of baby Groot as, yeah. like, you know, like the surrogate family. That is all. I love all the, like, little bits, like, Groot, buckle up! Or, like, yeah. or the catching Groot real quick, or, like, while when, Groot's when, dancing when around, Dra- like, when, when Drax is, like, uh, patting Groot on his shoulder like a baby, it's like, oh, my God, give me, give it's me more. It's all good. Yeah. Speaking of baby Groot, mm. uh, the whole bit with uh, breaking Yondu and Rocket out. Oh, with, my God. Excuse me, guys. But then, but then, call back to the first movie, he gets the eye. Yeah. He gets the eye from He gets the eye from That's fucking good. Yeah. That part, that part. What is, is he? So he shows up with a toe? Is that the... And they're just like, tell me that you have a fridge full of uh, severed toes and bite. <laughs> and already, the minute he starts saying that, Yandu's shaking his head just like, no, we we don't, we don't have, we, that's not a thing that we God have. bless Michael Rooker. I just want to make sure we get it in there one more time before we end this. Michael Rooker, for the fucking love of God. It's a, he is so good in this movie and I'm very happy that they kill him off. I'm also very frustrated because I'm just like, but I want you. That's why you need you so, need to that's see what you have to do you need it. to see Slither too because he's amazing and real Slither. good in that. He's, he's amazing so in Slither. Good isn't movie. he also? Isn't he the? Uh, am I f- making mixing the? Is he the cop in Super? 
The I cannot tell you. Uh, I might be making that up. I, I'm going re- to retract that real quick. Hold on. Let me get that out of the mic. I got it. Wow. I don't remember what you just said. Yeah. I also don't remember math that well. Um. <laughs> oh, fuck. Me neither. I guess we don't need it. Yeah. Bits. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? I've heard of that. It's a great movie. I like it. <laughs> and I'm drunk. I've been drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have anything else we want to say about Volume 2? Did we Did talk you... about how great Dave Bautista is on both of them? Uh, He's no, but like, great. we both we both know a real world Dave Bautista, and his name's Eric Jensen, and every time I watch the movies, I can't not think about him. Mm-hmm. I know this might not be super relevant to all of our audience, but this dude is just like a friend of ours. It's insanity. Yeah, he's he's the uh, same. a great firefighter. Probably the best. One of New York's best. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he's uh, helped me uh, unlock my car when I lock my keys in there on three separate occasions. Eric Jensen, he if you have a problem or you need you're just like you're just like I don't know how to do this weird thing or like I need help like lifting something or painting a thing. I don't know. You call up Eric Jensen. He will do it for free, and if you give him a six-pack, he will do the best job ever. I don't know if that's something we want to say on the podcast with his full name. Well, maybe we can, like... But he will, so, like, definitely hit him up. up. Maybe we can blur out, like... Maybe we can start him a business. This episode is brought to you by Eric Jensen's (laughs) Existence. Mike Burge made a face when I said his full name that, like, fills me with fear. He was just like... You fucked it up. It's almost like I said, like, a fucking, like, racial epitaph on the show. You're just like, oh, dude. You've just said a man's full name, and you said that he'll do anything for you for free on the radio. He's just a nice guy. On millennial radio. So his phone number is... (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've got his phone number, too. We'll uh, we'll, we'll put the phone number up on our Instagram feed, so you got to follow us on Instagram to be able to find it. That is true. That Instagram is at story underscore screen underscore beacon, by the way, just letting you know. So I was when I was doing some research on Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was reading, uh, just like I like to go through the IMDb trivia stuff because that's when you get some of the weird, like Vin Diesel spent like seventeen hours pretending he was a tree, which is not true, but <laughs> you almost believed it. <laughs> I did believe it for yeah. a second. Uh, one of the things was that uh, it was meant to be a trilogy, Guardians of the Galaxy, and after three, they're gonna do just like a new group of Guardians. Yeah. And James Gunn's coming back for three. Yeah, do you think, how do you feel about, like, not having these people be Guardians in the future? I feel like, I, it gave me anxiety. Give me three, close it out, and I give me know. a new group, and we'll see how they go, but. It gave me anxiety, it made me, it, like, filled me with anxiety when I read that. I was like, ugh, I don't like that one. Well, you, can, it, it, you can't have something so good forever. I know. Might as well tap out, and Trilogy's a good place to leave it. Yeah, I mean, that way you don't have to have Robert Downey Jr. just wither away on, like, fucking 18 movies. You know, like, Indiana Jones, just leave it. Star Wars. Just leave it. Yeah, but we are happy that Star Wars is back. Now? But now. there was like a solid 10 years when we weren't <laughs> happy at all. Fair. 10 years? What the fuck am I talking about? Like 15 years. That is that is fair. I can agree with that. Uh, Gamora's green and... And great. She's fucking great. Well, wait, who, who plays her? her it's Zoe Caldan? Is her name? Uh, Zoe Saldana. Saldana, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, she... She plays uh, Uhura in the Star Trek. Well, well, I was going to say, she's like the sci-fi goddess. Like, well, because she, of these two just, movies, yeah. Well, yeah, but then like Star Trek and like, I think, 
I was also reading that it's like most of the films she's been in is sci-fi movies. And mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, that's fucking cool. Like, yeah. good for her. She's then, good at it. And then Killin... Killin Jill... What's her name? Who plays Nebula? Karen Gillian. Karen Gillian. Gillian, sorry. Gillian. Karen Gillian. She's great, too. Cosmos. Jesus. I know, right? She's fantastic, and I was really happy, too. One of the things coming were, out of the first Guardians movie, I was like, man, they like Nebula was really cool. I wish that I had gotten to see more of her. Same with Yondu, and I think we said that earlier, yeah. and they give them way more to do in the second one. I, I think the amount of scenes that they give to Nebula and Yondu in this movie... <coughs> Is, is a lot, and I think it's, not to say unheard of, but it's, uh, it's, you don't see this in a lot of, like, I feel like the bridge movies in a trilogy, where it totally can exist on its own, and they're really giving some of these side characters their due, and their day, you know? Like, almost like, it's almost like in uh, Two Towers, where it's kind of like you see more, like, you kind of start separating all of the Lord of the Rings characters yeah. into groups. But, like, that's when you get more, like, the Legolas and Gimli Yeah, you start seeing how you these characters how these are interacting people... with one another. Exactly. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is very much Empire Strikes Back, where it separates our characters. And yeah. you got Han and Leia and Chewie going off to do this. And you've got Luke and R2 going off to do this. The element of, like, darkness is... It's it's like how Empire does it. People are just like, well, Empire's a really dark movie. It's like, well, yeah, you had 30, you had 30 years to realize how dark it was. This movie, I think when you kind of separate yourself from it, there's a lot of, like, really dark elements of it when you start coming down to just, like, what the movie's trying to say about family, what it means to be a father, what it means not to be a father. I think those are, quote, when audiences of different intelligences say, this is dark, what they mean is, like, this is some real world shit. This is real. And this yeah. is what the movie's dealing with. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, and I, I don't think that, this series, like as far as it goes, is like volume three coming out. It's got to end with uh, Peter Quill having a son. I mean, right? That's that's and happening. deciding that he's going to be there, a better father. Have you ever? Did you ever watch? This might be a little bit outside your wheelhouse because of age, but did you ever watch the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you remember the episode where uh, Will's dad comes back? That's how, I had a feeling you were going to say that, but I don't think I remember it. I don't remember it too well. Will's dad comes back, and he's a fucking grifter piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ends up uh, like bailing out, and of course he does, and leaving. And he leaves Will with his uncle, and his uncle's just like, Again. it's all right, yeah. Will. Like, It's okay. And Will Smith has this great... His, I, I his recommend uncle, everybody his look uncle it up. hates his dad, right? Because he his uncle like, hates his dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm starting to kind of remember this a little. Bit. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I recommend everybody look it up because it's like four minutes of young Will Smith, and you're really seeing like why Will Smith is so fucking good because it kind of gets lost in the ether because Will Smith has become like a Tom Cruise kind of figure where like they just put him in a thing and he shows up and he says the lines and he's just really yeah. good at doing that. But he does this whole thing where he, he like, talks about yeah. where I'm, he's like, I don't need him. It's absolutely, like, I don't need my dad. It's absolutely fine. I was able to learn how to, how to like fucking drive without him. And yeah. I passed my first test without him. And I did all this without him. And eventually I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get a job without him. I'm going to graduate college without him. Down. I'm going to, I'm going to meet a, I'm going to meet a, I think he calls it a, a sweet honey. I'm going to find a sweet honey and I'm going to have a son and I'm going to raise them the way that a person is supposed to raise a child. And, like, all that stuff because he doesn't know a goddamn thing about what it means to be a father. Yeah. And it eventually ends with Will Smith saying, like, 
breaking down and he's saying he's like, crying and he says arms. why doesn't yeah. he why doesn't he want me yeah and that's a that's a big thing with anybody who's been abandoned by a parent whether it's mm-hmm. biological or anything like that that's a thing that you know as much as i i think that my biological father is a a little dipshit piece of shit yeah uh, it, it does like creep in where you're just like what the fuck was so wrong with me? Like, why didn't he... Yeah. But the and thing you, is, it's not it's about not, me. It's not what's wrong with you. It's right. like they were never supposed to be... They, that was never supposed to happen. But unfortunately, it's it's the only life that I have, and I can't help but think about it like that. But you're better for it. If you could think sure. about... If you think about Watchmen, you remember in Watchmen, the thing that makes... The Doctor Zack Snyder movie? No. The uh, Alan Moore comic book. Oh. Yes, I don't know if you heard of it, but um, the thing that makes Doctor Manhattan kind of realize that he wants to give humanity another chance, and that he knows he's the only thing that can save humanity, is that Silk Spectre comes to him, and it's revealed that her that she is the offspring of the comedian and her mother, which is like this crazy affair that like kind of ostracized the comedian and had to do with a lot of like sexual assault and things like that, mm-hmm. but. What Dr. Manhattan this says, random genesis of all these different events that led to Silk Spectre. Her being, being there. And the thing is, like, Silk Spectre is a beautiful, great human being. Very with, good person. Yeah. With flaws. But she is a person. And she is a good person. And despite all the shit that put her there, that does not impede on what makes her good. And I think that is a sentiment that belongs in this conversation as well. Where totally. it's like, you know... It's about the legacy go- the, and like, where the, we come from. Yeah, and the what garbage. We do with that, the garbage yeah. of legacy doesn't make the person. It's who the person is, and you know, I think a lot of people in your position and otherwise, like they grow up learning, like, well, this is hard, but I'm not going to do that for my future. You know. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate too the you're better for it comment because it's uh, there. There's no other version of it that I have. Yeah. And so it's like, well, yeah, that's just what I have. I mean, it's easier said than understood, but I do think that that's the reality of it, uh, you know? Well, I think we're good and toasty right now. Yeah, I mean, we did drink a bottle of vodka. Yeah. So, so uh, you want to watch The Shining? Yeah. All you right, think, cool. Do you think Dee's going to want to watch The Shining? She might want to watch The Shining. She's she got to work gotta, tomorrow. I know, right? We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll give her one uh, Miller High Life. We'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, guys, thank you again so much for uh, joining us today as we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and my shit. Uh, I hope it was entertaining. Uh, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Comment on wherever you're listening to it. We love engaging with you guys. You guys can find us over on Instagram. We'll have a post for Guardians of the Galaxy on there. And if you're really just looking for a spot to be able to start a conversation, that's probably one of the best places you can go. We're on there. We're all linked up to it with our different accounts, and we can start talking to you about it. Uh, that 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 Instagram account, again, is at story underscore screen underscore beacon. Also, make sure to run on over to www.storyscreenbeacon.com, where you can find a bunch more podcasts, articles, reviews, written by your lovely Story Screen family, as well as maybe buy a fucking shirt. It's up to you. And uh, Robert, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time. And uh, thank you so much for hosting. Yes, I was. It was a very fun. I'm glad to be the second mm-hmm. 
uh, over Trigger's host ever to exist. You are, hopefully yeah. the last. Did you, did you want to maybe thank me for being on... Thank you so much, Mike Bird, for being on my episode of Overdrinkers. You're always oh, no, a, great, thank you. a great guest, thank and you. you're very handsome, and you oh. do look a lot like Chris Pratt, even with a six-pack. <laughs> you really know how to lean it in there. <laughs> and uh, and again, uh, as the the third host on this episode, thank you, Robert Anderson, so much for joining yes, me. Yes, of course. Really appreciate it. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and I uh, can't wait to do it again. Yes. And uh, look forward to our next episode that's coming out where me and Diana DeMuro are going to be breaking down the rest of the Phase 3 movies plus Ant-Man leading up to Avengers Infinity War coming out April 27th. It's going to be a good one. We got to get those tickets. Did you buy those tickets? I bought the tickets, yeah. Oh, so we're good. Yeah, we're all good. All right, sick. I got you, baby. Thanks, baby. Fist bump. Did you guys hear that? I hope they did. That's some power there. All right, guys. Thank you again so much. Bye-bye. Bye. I think you're in the bathroom or something, but Joel Egerton plays Owen Lars. Oh, yes. I know that I was, very much. I was like, are you... F-? I just... When we were doing our Steven Spielberg talk, I was just like, oh, shit. Oh, wait. Is Joel Egerton in any Spielbergs? I don't think so. It didn't show anything. <sighs> just said, it comes at night. And I was like, oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. We got to figure out who that sixth one is. Well, come to us. Actors that are both in George Lucas movies... And Spielberg movies directed. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We got five. The world may never know who number six is. Maybe there is no number six. That's ah, the trick. George Lucas's last trick. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost as interesting as all three of the prequels. Revenge of the Sith is all right. Yeah, it's uh, it's darker than all the other ones. What I like say. about what I like about Revenge of the Sith is how dark the movie is mm-hmm. it's so dark like it's they darker, do so much it's darker the stuff. only one that was rated PG-13 at the time yeah it's just the darkest one it's rated PG-13 for the kid killing scene right that's like the only reason because there's nothing in that movie that's like oh wow you really like the burning weird. alive oh yeah and I guess that part being brutally like surgically altered into a robot man yeah I don't know doesn't seem weird to me all right. Well, now that we got the uh, thing that we'll put at the end of the episode over, we want to break in? I suppose so. Okay. You ready? Yeah.